Hello and welcome to the 18th official episode of the Film Yak Podcast. 18 episodes already. Isn't that crazy? I'm John. I'm Kevin. And Jonathan. And this week we're going to be discussing Jonathan's pick, John Carpenter's 1980 film. Yeah, I think. Escape from New York starring Kurt Russell (laughs) and Donald Pleasance and Isaac Hayes and several other people. Um, And uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing. We'll also have our top tens of the year, our top fives in some cases, our bottom fives, bottom tens, (laughs) best and worst of the year. We'll do a, a recap of how how this year was in cinema. How you guys been doing? How was Christmas? It was good. It was sick. It was oh, sick. No. I like, was sick. So so cool. Sick. <laughs> no, I wish. Like S Y Q Q. I was sick as fuck. Oh man, that sucks. Are you better now? Not really. I think I have a fever right now. Do you really? Yeah, I'm like freezing, and I'm kind of. I'm like really cold. This will right be a really excellent, interesting show. <laughs> if Jonathan, <laughs> if Jonathan falls into convulsions, this will make a great episode. And I didn't really sleep last night, so. Uh... <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yes. You look like you have mascara on your face. Tuesday at two is actually. Uh, I'm going to reschedule. Can I reschedule for Monday? Is that possible? Oh yeah, Monday's New Year's, right? <laughs> Uh, how about uh, Wednesday then? Thank you. Sorry, dental dental appointment. Ah, can't make it Tuesday. So, what the fuck were we talking about? Oh, Jonathan's, Christmas. Jonathan's about oh, to die. Uh, yeah, I'm sick. He's okay. Yeah. He's smiling. So okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what do, what do we get for Christmas, uh, Kevin? Good few things from Criterion. Nice. Uh, Fisher nice. King by Gilliam. Uh, Repo Man. Yeah. Videodrome, all on Blu-ray. Nice. Um, Only God forgives. A uh, lot of peanut butter stuff. Uh, peanut butter M and M's. Some giant ass Reeses. Oh, I got the giant Reeses too. Yeah. Does your family go to Cracker Barrel a lot? They. I'm sure that is where they got. The, I don't really know, honestly. Yeah, because they were in my stocking, and I. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, here. that's nice. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I probably won't eat them. To be perfectly honest, they're just like there's just so much sugar. Like I just feel like a piece of shit after. <laughs> or like do like half, put no, it in the fridge like a, and then like, like do the one next bite half. maybe. Yeah, that's just they're nuts, man. They're really big. Yeah, yeah. Jonathan, would you would you uh, get? There, I got bud? a. Okay, hold on. <laughs> so, growing up, okay. I, we'd get like the Nintendos and shit, okay. Yeah. But I always had to split it with my brother. Sure, you did. You know, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> this is the first time ever I've gotten a system from someone else to myself. My wife got me a Nintendo Switch. Oh, you, this is the first time someone's <clears throat> gifted you you personally a yeah. system by oh, yourself. Okay, I see. And at first, I was like, "Oh, this is cool," you know. Like, I don't know if I'm gonna play. I mean, you know, I, don't, I was like, "Ah, oh, that's cool," you know. But yeah, it rules. It's especially when you're in bed sick. Mm. It rules. Yeah. <laughs> You've been playing it on the little screen a lot? Yeah. It's it's pretty great. I like it a lot. What game are you playing? Uh, the new Mario, Mario Odyssey. And she got me Zelda as well. Nice. But I uh, can't stop playing the Mario. It's uh, no storyline, just gameplay nonstop. It's great. It's like pure heroin. Yeah. There's just it's no like, filter. It's like kid Dark Souls. There's like just no storyline. Nice. There's like I, I I don't even know if there's dialogue. I'm just like skipping through everything. I'm just it's it's fun. 
That sounds great. I hate video game storylines. I mean, me too. <laughs> me too. Yeah, I uh, definitely want to come and check it out. I, I actually started looking at them because I was just like curious about the, you know, just like what makes them special. And it's pretty killer. It's <laughs> like, pretty cool. Like yeah. the whole thing is pretty neat. The idea. I feel like Nicole would probably like it a lot. She probably would. It's super poor. <laughs> I mean, like, I was like, yeah, it's probably portable, you know, like battery lasts an hour. Like, no, it lasts like six hours, seven hours wow. of like total gameplay. Like, wow. Like, pretty crazy. It's just Sweet. A, way too expensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah. what'd you get i got uh well you guys know what i got since you're the main people who gave it to me uh i got uh well i got brian eno and robert fripp's no pussy putting <coughs> on vinyl from jonathan noise 15 minutes ago yeah just now and uh <laughs> because oh. he had incidentally got me a record i already had Dave, daniel johnston record uh got lots of blu-rays got the mondo dread which is awesome i almost watched it today but I decided to watch the Good Time audio commentary instead. Is there anything different at all between the Mondo stuff and the normal? Or is it just the normal it's Blu-ray? It's just the packaging. Just the packaging. Yeah, mm. as far as I know, I don't think there's any more special features or anything. Mm. But the packaging is amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Got a couple of graphic novels, uh, including the unbelievably good hard-boiled. You like it? Yeah, <laughs> which is like... Wait. Jeff Darrow is the American Mobius. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, incredible. Like, he rules. I was looking at some of the, uh, before I gave it to you, I was looking at it, and, like, yeah, dude, some, like, there's one little uh, little scene where, like, the, the taxi or something, or our car is, like, blasting through this brick yeah. wall. Dude, the detail it's is like, insane. It's like, where's Waldo? Yeah. It's like, there's so much <laughs> shit going on in this, like, there's a whole page, and it's just, like, it took me, like, ten minutes just to look at that page to yeah. see wow. everything that was going on. There's, like, a... There's like a wrestling ring in the middle, and there's like ten people having an orgy inside the wrestling ring, and there's like people around it like watching. Yeah. And then there's like naked people just walking around everywhere, and yeah, the car is like blasting through the storefront and like shooting this guy, and it's just ins- <laughs> there's so much shit going on. It's insane. And I, I, I hope it's made into a movie, and I hope it. I, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's going to be hyper. You said that Ben Wheatley was working yeah. on it. You heard right? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, and I, I immediately went on to. Uh, I got a bunch of gift certificates, include like seventy five dollars worth of uh, Amazon gift cards, and mm. I went and bought uh, another a, a book of his sketches. So cool. Which I was gonna. I also got gift certificates to Barnes and Noble. Went to Barnes and Noble, <clears throat> found that book. I was like, oh, this is cool. It's called Lead Poisoning: The Pencil Sketches of Jeff Darrow. And I'm like, this is great. I'm gonna buy this, and it was thirty four ninety nine. Which is like not that big of a deal, but then I looked up on Amazon. It was like twenty two ninety nine. Wow! Whoa! Like, why would I pay this extra amount <laughs> just yeah. to have it now? I'll have it tomorrow, you know. So I just went ahead and uh, used my Amazon gift card set. And incidentally, had to spend that uh, that gift card to Barnes and Noble because you know it's just burning a hole in my pocket. And there is yeah. obviously no way I'm paying full price for a Criterion if the money's free. Even so, I bought a vinyl, which was very. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Have you bought a vinyl from Barnes? It's weird. I've like, look, I've, I felt guilty looking at it. It makes you feel very weird. It really does. Like I was while I was buying it, I was like, "This doesn't feel right. Like I shouldn't be buying this right now." <laughs> I bought uh, Piper at the Gates of Dawn, the first Pink Floyd record, and it was just mm. like. And the only reason it's I did the remaster, huh? Yeah, and it's good and everything. I just the only reason I did it because like I was like, this record's not any cheaper anywhere else. I probably would never spend like this much money on this record because it's like mm. 30 bucks mm-hmm. so like, i'm not gonna actually spend 30 bucks on this record so i have this free money right now i might as well just buy it so and i really do i love the record so 
Uh, but anyway, yeah, got a lot of. Oh, I got a Bose uh, Bluetooth speaker too. Really mm, nice, nice Bluetooth yeah. speaker cool. from my wife, which is awesome. Been using it while I've been painting the baby's room this week. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's been a great Christmas, but it's over now. Yeah, and uh, we got to move on. You know, eleven months of sadness. Exactly. Yeah, that's how it goes. And, uh, <laughs> At least until the next Criterion sale. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, in July, everything will lift our spirits. So. Um, yeah, so I guess we could just get, get right down into it cool. with uh, our what we watched. So I have quite a few things I watch, being that we've been away for so long. Mm. Uh, and you don't work. And I don't work, yeah, right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I guess I can start, uh, and I'll just burn through a few of these, because I, I really don't have a whole lot to say about some of them. Like, I rewatched Spring Breakers, for instance, which mm-hmm. is uh, directed by Harmony Corinne from twenty. 2012, sorry, 2012, starring James Franco and all the teeny bopper actors, Selena Gomez and so forth. And um, I felt exactly the same way about it as I did the first time I saw it, which mm-hmm. is, I think it's good. It's easily Harmony Crin's like, weakest film. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with just the fact that it's, it feels like he's trying to accomplish something here, whereas the rest of his films just feel like they're art almost i mean it sounds a little pretentious i guess but like they just feels like they're they just exist on their own merit whereas this one he's like trying to make some kind of statement about i don't know you know youth mm. culture and things like that and it just feels a little i don't know maybe overly ambitious but um franco's very good in it i mean a lot's been said about him being good in it and he is he's very uh, enjoyable to watch he's very funny mm. his actually the, my favorite scene with him though is is the very first time you see him where he's on stage at the beach and he's like rapping. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging with them dope boys. Hanging with them dope boys. He's just like repeating this <laughs> stupid line like over and over again. It's so silly, but it's great. And he's like, I, I come from another planet, y'all. And he says y'all a lot. <laughs> oh, boy. It's pretty It's pretty great. You haven't seen this, Kevin? No. Oh, yeah. You should check this out. It's definitely entertaining. <laughs> it is very fun to watch. I, I gave it a four. I don't. Okay. I, I like it okay. a lot. I just, uh, like I say, I just... For me, I, I prefer Harmony Crane when he's more esoteric and bizarre. Yeah, I remember seeing like on his IMDb after I watched Julian Donkey Boy, like he did Spring Breakers too. Like that's kind of yeah bizarre. They are different, a lot different. I'd yeah, say. yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he did it because he needed the money, and it was a quick comedy kind of thing. So I don't know. Well, what Harmony Corinne or no? James I Franco? think he's not Harmony Corinne. He's, Harmony, in, he's, no, in he's, he's in it. He's yeah. in oh, okay. It. <laughs> he wants it. He, okay. He okay. His next movie is The Trap or whatever. Or well, trap? no, no, no. Now he's got. Uh, he filmed another movie in between that. Oh, really? Uh, called I think it's called The Beach Bum. It's got oh. Matthew McConaughey in it. I think oh. no, hmm. Matt, maybe not Matthew. Somebody, some person who is like a beach person. I think he right. lives in Florida now. Like he's like, yeah. he is that guy. Yeah. I watched the special, fe- like an interview with him on the Florida special Man. features and he's mm. obsessed with Miami and stuff. Yeah. So, but, uh, <laughs> after that I watched uh highway patrolman, which was the DVD that Kevin so graciously got me for Christmas and, uh, directed by Alex Cox from 1991. Uh, it was a weird movie for Cox that he went to, he wrote this script, then he, or he got the script rather it was written by someone else. And he went to, Mexico to film it. Apparently, it didn't take place in Mexico originally, <laughs> and he decided oh. it should be in Mexico for some reason. And um, it was good. It wasn't. It wasn't mind blowing or anything. It wasn't what I expected it to be. To be, I kind of expected it to be like a bad lieutenant kind of thing, where like mm. the patrolman would be like vicious and evil in some way. 
but it's not that at all. He's like, he's like a, a basically a good guy, and he's just trying to be a good person, a good cop, and like take care of his family. And he just keeps getting shit on like over and over again. And that's what the movie is essentially. It's like he can't catch a break. But some great, uh, for lack of a better phrase, blood scenes. <laughs> People getting uh, blown away. And, uh, yeah, very just an enjoyable film. Really well made, too. It just makes me, you know, sad for the lack of Alex Cox and in our uh, current cinematic landscape. You know, mm. I wish he'd come back and just shoot stuff on film. I wish he was more like a Jim Jarmusch kind of, yeah. you know, just getting these little tiny movies made. But, uh he just seems to have fallen off the radar and it's really a fucking shame so yeah like I think he was originally gonna do Fear and Loathing but then something happened and it went to Gilliam so right see and that's like but I think he still got credit for like the screenplay and that's interesting to think about like had he directed Fear and Loathing but I don't know that that would have changed much because Fear and Loathing Mm -hmm. was a pretty big failure so I mean it's like you know he could have made that he'd probably still be where he's at yeah true Gilliam, look at where Gilliam's at. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't, uh, like, I think we talked about this before. Like, Gilliam, like, I, like, I was really excited to see the Zero Theorem. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, like, he's got a budget to kind of do his own movie. And then I watched it, and it's like a less interesting <laughs> rehashing of Brazil. God. And it's like, come on, man. You're yeah. Terry Gilliam. Like, it just feels like he's very, it feels like the way that he does things now he, he just feels one note like he feels like that's uh, like that's all he has to offer is this dystopian you know yeah future kind of thing that he's done over and over and over again whereas when you watch fear and loathing it's like it's got his style but it's not dystopian at all it's you know it's this drug movie it's you know fun yeah i mean he, he explained like like apparently he thought like the 90s could be like the new 60s and so like and the disappointment of that kind of led him to doing fear and loathing, like capturing like that kind of cultural thing and getting a look at it again. But, uh, and I think it's a great movie. It's got, it's a, you know, really unique, but, um, I don't know, like when people try too hard to like put in like a message, it can kind of, sink a movie i think absolutely absolutely so uh i'll stop there for now all right um let's see uh i finally got around to watching uh valerian Mm. uh john's favorite movie of this year uh (laughs) we'll see where it places is this seriously in your top 10 we'll see he gave it a four, so I did love it. I liked it a lot. I just don't. I don't see what you really liked about it. I gave it a two point seven five. I just didn't care That's for your it same that much. Score for Jedi. That's sad. Like this movie's so much better than Jedi. It's just on every. I'm not even going to argue level. with you that much because I just don't care that much. But it's like <laughs> that makes it a fun, enjoyable spe- experience for our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I'm just like the whole time I'm watching it, I'm struggling to see what you're seeing in this, like spectacle. There is spectacle. It's beautiful. This movie is beautiful. It looks pretty good. It looks amazing. The, name a movie that's come out in the last five years that has better CG than this movie. Um, You're done, I son. You're done. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's like, gorgeous. It's fine. It looks has amazing, fun action sequences. The marketplace sequence is incredible. That was uh, good. Fun ideas. I'll give you that. 
just like the thing when he shoots the like discs that he walks on at the end through the chase scene. Yeah, that was that's pretty cool. Amazing. Uh, I mean, it's just every, there's it's, just like it's one after another after detours another. that I just don't like. I don't the, like the, the part where they freeze everybody in that goop and like yeah. steal the thing. That shit yeah. rules too. That's incredible. That was cool. Um, just like the Rihanna detour was horrible. I, I just I didn't find it horrible. I find I find that I like, didn't like I mean, it at all. What's horrible about it? She's like just doing like a burlesque dance that like lasts like five minutes, and I'm just like, yeah. what is this? Why five am minutes. Why am I watching this? Hmm. And Ethan Hawke was what What was he? That was great. He was great. <laughs> I love seeing him in this. Um, just out of nowhere, Ethan Hawke. And then Hawk the other detour that they like. They went underwater at some point to get a jellyfish. Yeah, the jellyfish something. goes on her head. That was and, like random. reads her thoughts or whatever. Yeah, that's amazing. I it love that shit. Really odd. Um, You're out of your know. mind. It just wasn't that great. I, I just <laughs> really didn't care for it. That's okay. Um, so, John, I gotta ask: If you love this movie so much, why didn't it get five instead of four? Great question, Kevin. The five star rating eluded this particular project. <laughs> Due to uh, probably, I'd say, like, three things, a combination of three things. One, it's length. It is a little long. Okay. Two, it drags toward the end, especially when, like, they're the massive scene of exposition at the end where they're explaining, like, what happened to the planet with the woman and the yeah. beads and the little thing that eats the beads or whatever. And then three, the uh, acting, obviously, uh, okay. can be, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't have a huge problem with it. Like, the fact that, you know, Dane DeHaan is kind of like a personalityless void but like you know I if i had her she's all right it's him our him Dane, yeah Dane i'm sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> well they they look like i like cara delavine actually i think she's great in the movie i i think yeah. dane dehan is kind of he a was pitiful. very uh uh keanu reeves yeah like he <laughs> really was i don't have mm. a, i don't have a huge problem with that but if anything detracts in the movie that would be one of the, okay. the yeah. mind that's like a nitpick almost for me yeah. because i don't really give a fuck about character development or like they're who like, these people are love, they're like love between each other was weird too I yeah i don't mind that, was, that, that either that was jordan's main argument i just like i don't who cares like i was just like let's like that's like that's literally like two percent of the entire yeah. film so you can just move this like ignore that <laughs> move past it you know to the amazing you spectacle. still have to watch it though like you have yeah. to watch these things to me, who cares about the Rihanna? Who cares about Rihanna? You have to watch her for like thirty minutes. You said five a minute ago. No, no you get no, you get to watch that for five minutes, and then she's still in the fucking movie for like thirty minutes. How about the and scene then she after dies that, in the most hilariously terrible way? The scene after that where they where they where he rescues her from being eaten in the uh, in the palace. Uh, yeah, that shit rules that too. So okay. what, what was good about it? The whole fight sequence where he's like running around stabbing people with the sword and everything. Oh, the one where he's just on, like, the green screen. It's, like, all green screen. <laughs> it's just like, dude, come on. It's not that good. I think it looks great. It was okay. I loved it. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Just agree to disagree, man. Yeah, agree to disagree. That's fine. I thought it was great. Okay. <laughs> it's like it's like It's like you with, um, it reminds me of, of your reaction to, uh, what was that shitty YA movie you watched and were like, this is pretty good. A the maze, one I gave like a like two. Yeah, I gave it a two. But you talked about it for like four days after you saw it. Yeah, because I thought it was, was. going to be a fucking nightmare, and it wasn't a nightmare. But you gave it, it a, was two. a two. <laughs> a two it was a two. It wasn't Close to a nightmare to me. I was blown away that it was actually somewhat watchable. <laughs> you going to go see the new Maze Runner? It's coming. No, I, I actually watched the second one, and I wanted to die. Jesus. <laughs> it was horrible. All right. Well. Let's uh, move on, I guess. Okay. Uh, let's see. I rewatched The Nightmare Before Christmas. And 
Directed like, I re- by Henry Selleck? Directed by Henry Selleck. Scored by Danny Elfman, who is also the singing voice of Jack Skellington. And I remember, like... Liking this movie a lot when I was a kid, still liking it as a teenager and then into adulthood and having just watched a lot of other stuff. And then now going back and watching this, like I did not remember how cinematic this movie really is. Like it doesn't even though, yes, it's all stop motion animation. It doesn't feel like stop motion animation. Mm -hmm. Like the camera moves are, you know, the same that you would see in a live action movie, which I thought was really great. The fact that they're like willing to like the sets are made so well that they can kind of go anywhere within the set. And it still looks like Halloween town or Christmas town or wherever. And the music still really holds up the voice acting, uh, Chris Sarandon, Catherine O'Hara. Um, what's, what's the guy's name? The guy who plays the mayor, like that. It didn't, that's still one of my favorite lines of any movie ever. Jack, I'm only an elected official here. I can't make decisions by myself. <laughs> and like, uh, like how, like it's something that pretty much every age range can really appreciate. And like, there's some like weird, dark stuff that you wouldn't necessarily expect from a quote unquote kids movie. And it's got a, the emotional depth is there and, and guys, guys, mm. the runtime, 79 minutes, 76, even better. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Have you seen this? No. Oh, okay. No. See, I, I knew you guys I watched like it last year for the 76 first time. 76 minutes. Oh my God. That does make me cream a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, I, that I would have seen this already, but my wife doesn't like it. So oh, okay. Really? That would be the reason I would watch something like this is if, you know, it was right. Christmas time or Halloween time and she was like, let's watch this. Yeah. I did like Coraline, though. Yeah. As I recall, though it's, I haven't seen it since the theater, but yeah. it's all right. But yeah, uh, it just fires on all cylinders. So, yeah, that's a five out of five. Killer, cool. killer, killer. I watched uh, for the first time The Sound and the Fury from 2014, directed by James Franco, uh, starring James Franco. And Tim Blake Nelson. Uh, And this movie, how I said about Franco's last film, uh, Disaster Artist, that it Mm -hmm. was his most, like, accomplished directing. I'm going to have to take that back a little bit. This is better directed than that. Uh, And it's just that I was gauging it against the Disaster Artist, that is, against uh, his earlier Faulkner uh, adaptation which is called As I Lay Dying. <laughs> and uh, and based uh, compared to that, As I Lay Dying, I think is a is a better film, but it's um, it's definitely shot. It looks cheaper, you know. It's shot more cheaply on mm. cheaper video and everything. But this film is shot beautifully, and it looks great. And uh, the first, I'd say, half hour, it's split into chapters, much like I assume the book is. Uh, and uh, the first part, like the book, is about... Uh, the mentally handicapped man, whatever his name is, played by Franco in a very, very ballsy (laughs) to to insinuate himself into this uh, mentally challenged role where he is pretty goofy. But if you can look past it, it's pretty good. Like (laughs) the he, he there's narration going on. 
but it, you get the idea that it's him speaking like in his own head mm. and he can in his head he can talk and form coherent sentences but in reality he's just like you know like this kind of uh slack jawed uh idea of uh you know kind of very stereotypical you know almost almost offensive honestly but like you know it is what it is what the book is i guess i mean i know in the book uh i remember reading the first like sentences are like him trying to describe looking through this fence and it's like he sees light pushing through lines or something it's like it's like the way he's describing is very abstract because he's he doesn't have the mental capacity to describe it correctly hmm. so uh, that was interesting and it's just a very it's very well done uh that whole sequence the whole part about his character is great and uh after that when it cuts into the brother the first brother's character who's this more meek uh nerdy kid who wants to go to harvard and wants to find a love and ends up uh, ultimately offing himself by jumping into a river with weights in his coat. Uh, That's good too, but it's less good. And then the third one is that much more less good. (laughs) So they just kind of like, they get, they get less and less interesting and it's not just the stories. It's like by the time you get to the third one, uh, the main character in the third one is another one of the brothers who's played by Scott Hayes, I think is his name, and he was in uh, Child of God, which was another Franco film adaptation of a Cormac McCarthy novel. And in that film, he was okay. In this one, he's awful. Like he's mm. he's very like cheesy. Like puts on this ridiculous Savannah accent, you know, and <laughs> just yelling at everybody, just mad all the time. And it's like that's who the character is. I get it, but he's the wrong person to play the character. And what's, un- what's unfortunate is that another actor who's in this is uh, Logan Marshall Green, who plays Quarry in Quarry, and who's in Prometheus, and who is a great actor. Mm. And they, he could have played that part, and it would have been so much better. But he <laughs> plays, he's relegated to this little tiny part where he dates their sister. But he has a great scene with the nerdy kid on a bridge where he punches the wind out of him. It's pretty great. Um, the movie's okay overall. Uh, you know, a gentle recommendation. Uh, not amazing. Gave it a three and a half. After that, sorry, I'm just going to burn through these because, like, I don't, you know, yeah, I watched so many. Um, I watched, uh, I went, did a double bill at the theater, watched The Shape of Water and Downsizing back to back. Well, got Taco Bell in between, but, you know, pretty much back to back. And, um, they were both good, with the uh, the caveat there being that The Shape of Water was excellent, whereas Downsizing was just good. Uh, Downsizing is directed by Alexander Payne. It stars Matt Damon. And I this movie, people hate this fucking movie. Like, go read the reviews for this thing. And, like, people on Letterboxd, all my friends who, who have seen it, mm-hmm. just, like, one star, half a star. Like, they hate this shit. It's not wow. bad. Like, I think that all the hatred comes from it, – it's a he, it's heavy-handed with it's, – it's, it's making a message. It's, like, kind of a message film about mm. the, the environment and, you know, how we need to be – better to the earth and things like this and but i mean it's not it's not that heavy-handed like it's not this is a comedy yeah um, okay. no i wouldn't say it's, it's a not a comedy i wouldn't say so really no yeah because the trailer really makes it seem like almost an almost a judd apatow-ish yeah kind of it comedy. really does i would say uh 
there are moments where there are, I mean, it's certainly lighthearted at times, but I'd say overall, it's definitely more of a kind of just a regular old drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Damon decides in the future, they, they have this ability to downsize so they can shrink you down to like five inches tall. And it's, it's created by this Norwegian guy and it's meant to reduce the impact of humans on the earth. And so people are doing it. But the upside to it is that when you downsize your tiny bit of money that you might have becomes an incredible amount of money because, you know, the things you're buying are much smaller, obviously. So like a house like these, you know, 15, 20 million dollar houses are like sixty thousand dollars when you Mm. downsize. And so he and his wife, played by Kristen Wiig, decide to downsize because they have money trouble and he's just fed up with his job and his existence and whatever. And uh, she doesn't go through with it, and he does, and he ends up going through a divorce with her, which causes him to even more money problems, which means he doesn't have any money, so he has to get a job when he's downsized, so he gets this job as a like a telemarketer kind of person, and uh, he ends up meeting just a cast of characters, you know, these mm. different people, and one of them is played by Hong Chow, who's this Vietnamese actress who plays a Vietnamese woman who was a refugee trying to sneak into the colony where he lives, which is called leisure land. And, uh, she tried to sneak in in a TV box cause you know, they're tiny. Right. <laughs> and apparently, you know, she was, they were people in her country are being forced to downsize. So as to help with the national debt or whatever. And so it's a lot of that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, these like it, it it almost it tries to approach this idea of like if this happened, how would it really happen to an extent? I mean, mm. obviously it's a movie, so it's like part of it is just kind of silliness. Yeah. But I mean I think I think that's maybe the problem that people have with it. But I that's the kind of stuff that didn't bother me. I thought it was interesting. You know, I think it's interesting that they're like, yeah, they're confronting like it'd be one thing if they just let's just make this movie about people who get small and then like their adventures while they're small and like let's see them you know, riding on a broom or whatever. You like, like it's not Honey I Shrunk the Kids, and it's not yeah. Ant Man. You know, it's like right. it's trying to make it's trying to say something. It's a satire. You know, mm. so and I think it succeeds for the most part. It's it's a bit long winded. Uh, there are parts of it that are uh, less interesting than other parts, but overall, I'd say it's pretty good. And I mean, you know, a solid movie. Definitely not Payne's best film, but certainly not his worst. So yeah. I, I recommend it. Shape of Water, on the other hand, uh, I'm, not, I'm not. I don't have a lot to. to I'm not going to say a lot about it, just because it's in your top ten. It is in my top ten, but I mean that's not that's not why. But I mean it's just like it's just a great film. Mm. Uh, it's extraordinarily well made. It's incredibly well acted. Have you seen much of his other stuff? It's a great story. Uh, I've seen. Um, you mean Guillermo del Toro? Yeah. I've seen Blade Two. And I've seen. I like how you lead with Blade Two. <laughs> that was the first thing I saw by him. You haven't okay. seen Pan's Labyrinth? No. Huh. Devil's Backbone. Oh, Pacific Rim. That's the only oh, two Pacific I've seen. Rim. Ooh, no. Jesus Christ. So I don't really have an interest in seeing anything else by him uh, personally. I mean, I kind of want to see like the 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 early that early trilogy, the one that's on Criterion now, but. I don't. I don't know when I'll ever get to that. But Shape of Water is fantastic, and mm. I hi- highly, highly recommend it. Uh, a lot of great, great stuff going on in it. Another thing, though, real quick about downsizing. 
just a amazing attention to detail here, okay? So mm. <laughs> in the trailer, you if you recall, they have the vod the huge vodka bottle. Yeah. And they're yeah. like opening like have a valve on it and they're like filling up pitchers of full of vodka. And it's like if you think about that, is there something wrong with that? It'd be more viscous. Exactly. Like, mm. The physics of, of water at that size water, or liquid at that size yeah. doesn't make any sense. It wouldn't just be pouring like it pours normally. That scene's not in the movie. That shot's not in the film. Really? And almost every time they show liquid, it is more viscous. Oh. Including when they're riding. They have like a tiny yacht that they get on and they're riding in a huge river. And you like just in the background... You could see the wa- the water, and it's not cutting it like it would normally yeah. cut. Like it's like it's like you're running your finger through a puddle. Yeah, it's that's that's incredible attention to detail. The only <laughs> uh-huh. problem, the only part where they fuck that up is certain characters are like drinking wine and stuff, and it's just like wine in a wine glass. Whereas it, it would really be like a, a drop of you know like blah, 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 you know like yeah. A, so, but I don't know how yeah, you'd, you'd have to like punch into it exactly. Yeah, it have to be like uh, like <laughs> bugs, bugs life or ants, where like they take the glob and just exactly, throw. exactly. Yeah. So they, uh, but yeah, I think I thought that was pretty admirable, and I was worried about that just from watching the trailer. I was like, that's kind of silly. That actually took me out of it just thinking about you it. You know what movie got that right? Mm-hmm. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It's really gross. Like all the water in that. It's oh. all, it's like it looks like snot. Yeah. Like, it's so thick and like. Wow. It's disgusting. It's like quicksand almost. Like he gets, uh, one of the characters gets caught in it. And he's like, ah, help me. It's so disgusting. But at the end when he's <clears> in the <throat> milk, it moves like regular yeah, milk. Yeah, it's totally fine. Which is lame. Yeah. Mm, so, <laughs> fuck that movie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll stop there for now. Okay. Um, up next, uh, in an effort to watch more 2017 movies, I watched A Ghost Story. Uh, yeah, I did not care for this movie. Not going to lie. Um John's uh, just hating on all of my movies. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be overtly brutal. I could be, but I'm not going to be. Um, Please be. I just, like, dude, the, uh, this movie, this movie. This movie. Could have been. Directed by David Lowry, starring Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara. Yeah, this could have mm. been a six-minute Radiohead video. Like, <laughs> liter- like, quite literally. I'm not, no hyperbole at all. This could be a six-minute Radiohead music video. It's like okay. like all the extended shot stuff, which I would normally like, like when she's eating the pie or meat pie, whatever the hell it is. It's and a vegan chocolate pie, is it? And it's like seven minutes or some shit where she's eating this thing, and she goes and throws. I'm like, yeah, okay, like I get it. She's sad. Casey Affleck is dead. I'm just I don't know, dude, and it just keeps doing shit like that, and I'm I okay. Just, I'm just not into it. Real quick, I don't know. Like, Real quick. I was just not into this movie. So <laughs> watching it, I saw it in the theater, as you know. Um, <clears throat> going into this movie, was not excited about it. Was thinking this is going to be a pretentious pile of shit. Go into it, mm-hmm. watching the movie. I don't. I'm just you know. I'm like trying to take it in. I'm just like okay, you know, this is fine, whatever. Uh, spoiler alert, Casey Affleck dies. <laughs> Rooney Mara gets a pie delivered. She says thank you for the pie, I think. And then she uh, proceeds to eat the pie. No, I think it's, it's left. On the, it's like left oh, for whatever. Yeah, yeah. She gets the pie. She eats the pie. She eats the pie for six, seven solid minutes. A solid single take of her eating this pie on the ground. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, this is not one of our moments where I would look at you and be like, 
shit rules. I was like, this is retarded. I, yes. I don't want to see this. Yes. This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It, re- it was, I don't know what, like, normally I'm into this. Yeah, this but, is not one of those moments. This felt like somebody trying to accomplish that Tarkovskian yeah. thing, yeah. but not doing a good job of it. Yeah. After that scene, though, mm-hmm. everything else that happens, for like- me just drug it all the way out of the ditch that nice. that scene had okay. got it into. Um, so I hated that scene. Good. Now, okay. now I don't, I don't necessarily <laughs> think I, that I would hate it watching it now because I'd expect it coming and everything. It'd probably read differently, but yeah, but the, all the stuff with the Mexican family, that was pretty amazing. Good. Yeah. The thing that really sold me on it though, was a, was a combination. I love the Will Oldham speech. I'm sorry. That shit rules. And then after that, all the time stuff, when he is going back in time with the pioneers and that, that shit's this amazing. Is, this, this, while I'm watching that, that all that stuff. And then the part where like, he's talking to the neighbor ghost, yeah, which I thought was so bad. Oh I, I, no, I, I didn't that's like that so good. No, I would thought that was very affecting. It wasn't at all. It was me. emotionally. I didn't affecting. like it at all. Oh. Um, all you know, David Lowry, the director is the other ghost. How was he? Um, all of that was just like, this is a music video. Like, holy fucking balls. This is a fucking, ra- like, Radiohead, like, just, like, artsy, like, early 2000s music video. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> I couldn't get over that. I don't know why. But uh, I, I, I like Will of them as a person. The speech, his whole his whole speech was just shit I've heard. Like, I, I watch, I've watched so much fucking, like, sci- uh, science channel, like, like, universe shit. That I, I swear to God, dude, if I hear one more person say like, oh, we're going to like, you know, the, the universe is going to go on without us, you know, and it's going to like, you know, just turn into like a black void. Like, I, I don't want to hear that ever again, ever again. It's just like, I, I swear at one point he was like quoting shit from the science channel. It was, it was like. <laughs> so this movie failed you because you've seen too much science channel. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, well, I, I mean, think like that was a, a thing about, um, that movie Lucy. Yeah. Like, you know, there's yeah. the, there's a thing in the trailer where, like, uh, I, did, I didn't actually see the movie, but in the trailer, Morgan Freeman's going on about, you know, human beings only use 30% of their brains. Yeah. And, like, there That's was the there movie. was something, like, like, that has been proven false, like, a bajillion times over. So, yeah. like, I can I can see where, yeah. where it gets old. Jonathan would be upset but, about uh, that. But, I don't know, you know. But, and also, another thing that I hated was this the song was just that made me want to die <laughs> yeah it was uh i i remember thinking uh <laughs> like, yeah. I, dude, are you ser- like i was are you fucking serious the only problem i have with the song <laughs> well aside from i obviously the song is not is not my kind of thing it sounds like a bony bear song which is ugly but the only the only real problem i have with it though besides that was just which that that feels like a nitpick just to say i that's a song's not for me you know but the other thing would be that I can't see Casey Affleck singing that song. Yeah. Like his voice does not match that voice. Like I can't imagine him getting those high notes and <laughs> this, you know, this un- unbelievably produced beautiful voice, you know, <laughs> singing these notes. So, yeah, I just didn't care for it. But uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Two that's, and a half. So that's why you have a top five and not a top ten. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a worst five though. So. Uh. Ah, Go ahead. That, that better not be on it at two and a half. <laughs> it's not. Okay. <laughs> <Go ahead. sighs> Silence. 
the movie. This is oh, the first yeah. time. Yeah, you I'm, know not, that? I'm not. I'm not calling. I'm not calling for silence. Shut up. <laughs> this movie fucking rules. This yeah. is the first time you've seen it. Yeah, and like, oh my Jesus! <coughs> like, uh, did you cry? No, but you like the fucking asshole, dude. Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. Like that that scene. I, I know which scene you're talking about. There's like, two the, scenes this, that make me cry in this. Okay, movie. well, the one, the one. The specific one with Adam Driver. That one like, is one of them. Like, first of all, Adam Driver fucking rules. Yeah, he's like, great. he's probably the greatest actor of his age that's going right now. Um, that's fair. Well, but but yeah, like that whole scene. Like, I'm just watching it, and like by the time it's over, I'm like, <laughs> like I needed to. Like, I realized I had been holding my breath the entire time. So I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I need to like pause this and like actually get some air. But yeah, like just from beginning to beginning to end it's fucking great like the um like i gave it four and a half because like the the ending like you know well he did this and then he did that and then he did this and then you know he almost got busted and, and his his friend got taken away etc like that kind of took me out of it yeah but like it was still really fucking good and like and like scorsese is a guy that like normally like you know from like um, you know, Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, and you know a lot of his movies. Like he he knows how to use like music and especially like pop music of the day, like you know very well. But like the fact that there's like so like I can't even remember a lot of like even emotional like cues in the movie. Like not not even really not even much like score na- at all. Really, I don't think there is, yeah. and like not even like native instruments, right? And like, yeah. So like, the fact that there was like, like, like that scene, like uh, when Adam Driver's going going out into you know off of the beach, you know, like any any other movie would have like some sweeping dramatic score that probably would have like, I don't know, it could have made it better, but it also could have just kicked it in the nuts. But like with no music and like just like the sounds off in the background and Andrew Garfield just like breaking down it was amazing fantastic it was so good the best film of last year so mm. done done no it's really great though i loved it i gave yeah. it a six out of five so damn i gave it a four and a half as well <laughs> i liked Ooh. it more than both of you suck it <laughs> just kidding it's not a competition but if it was i won um let's uh <laughs> let's those are the rules that i've just made up yeah uh i watched uh the Killing of a Sacred Deer, uh, just another in the long line of trying to add stuff to my top ten, trying to round it out. Um, and and just to, so I should say, uh, before we get to our top tens later, there are many, many films I did not see that may have broken into the top ten, but I will not be able to see them until after we do the show. So, mm. who knows? Uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer is directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, director of Dogtooth and the Lobster, both of which I like quite a bit. Um, stars Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman, and one of the kids from Dunkirk. I forget his name. Uh, and it's really good. It's uh, incredibly dark. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, I've heard it's crazy dark. Overly bleak, maybe. Uh, but <laughs> uh, pretty great nonetheless. Darker than entertainment? Because <laughs> I remember that being like you. I remember you saying that's too dark. Like it's. it's I said, is there such a thing yeah. as too bleak? <laughs> uh, this movie is not 
I would say it doesn't have the same atmospheric bleakness as okay. entertainment does. Okay. This movie, if you just caught part of this, like watching it, like depends on what part, obviously, but you know, you might think it's a pretty normal drama or something, but it's not. Uh, it's uh, very. It's like like all of his films. It's got a very. Um, I forget what what the fuck you'd call it, like a mechanic in the middle of it, like this uh, this idea, like this magic realist kind of thing going on. Uh, that's I don't want to say what it is because it would spoil it, and I I want you guys to see it. Um, but um, if you're interested, obviously. But uh, yeah, it's just the thing that it is is very dark. Takes it in a very dark direction, hmm. and uh, it gets in extreme. <laughs> no, I mean it's not, you know, it's not like a Gaspar Noe film or anything, but it gets pretty it gets it's pretty heavy for 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 a movie starring Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman. It's pretty fucking heavy. Sweet. So uh yeah, highly recommend that one. Gave it a four and a half. Then uh on Christmas Eve watched Black Christmas directed by Bob whatever his name is, the guy who directed uh Christmas story. What's that guy's name? Uh, that guy. Yeah, his name is Bob. Something. I have Bob never Clark. heard of this. Ah. I've never heard of this movie. You never heard really? of Black Christmas? No. <clears throat> this is like the uh, one of the major inspirations for Halloween. Huh. Yeah. According to Carpenter and uh, and Deborah, whatever her name is. Uh, hmm. And so I've been wanting to see this for a while. Went in, be honest, totally expecting it to be just like a pretty generic, like you know lower tier slasher kind of thing. Mm. But I'd like I said in my review, better than Halloween. Uh much more interesting. Damn. Characters are way more interesting. There's a lot more to it, I'd say, than Halloween. It's less simplistic, which normally I would say is not a good thing, but in this case, it works really well. It's about a group of a sorority house uh near Christmas time who uh this this maniac climbs into their attic. <laughs> and then starts sneaking down and killing them one at a time. And none of them know what the hell's going on. And the cops mm-hmm. don't know what's going on. And there's an amazing scene. He keeps calling them and, like, he's, he sounds like he's jerking off on the phone or something. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> and there's, like, multiple voices and stuff. It's really yeah. weird. And um, Jeez. and uh, he, uh, the cops put a tap on the phone. And there's this incredible scene where he keeps calling and they're telling Olivia Hussey, the main actress, they're telling her, you got to keep him on the line, keep him on the line so we can tell. And then it shows the guy at the phone company, and he's, like, running down these rows of, like, everything's mechanical because it's 1974. Yeah. It's, like, all these mechanical things, like, moving up and down. He's, like, trying to find which one is the one that, like, he's on so he can trace the call and everything. Just, like, manually. <laughs> it's really cool. And, um, yeah. And Olivia Hussey, uh, in agreement with Kevin, is a beautiful lady. Yeah. <laughs> but... I'll be honest. She's no Margot Kidder, <laughs> and I, thought, I never thought I'd say that because I don't. I've never found Margot Kidder to be particularly attractive. I was going to ask you like how you felt about Margot Kidder this in this film, movie. Like she she's is, she's good looking in this movie. I, she's a, she's a terrible human being in this movie. Yeah, no, she's <laughs> but, like that's that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, like, she, I just remember her being though. annoying as fuck. Like, she's very annoying. Yeah, she does use the c word though, which is pretty fun. Hmm. She calls somebody a cunt. I forget. <laughs> yeah. It's, mm. 
But yeah, I mean, like the first thing I ever saw Olivia Hussey in was uh, Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet. So that just kind of cements it from there. (laughs) You know, I guess that's true for me, too, although I haven't seen that movie since ninth grade. But yeah. um, Yeah. So this is is really solid and uh, I highly, highly recommend seeing this one if you're a fan of the genre. And if you like Halloween, you'll probably like this. And doesn't that have um, what's the guy? The guy who plays like the from 2001. Yeah, it has it has um, Dave Dave from two thousand one uh, Keir, Keir Dilly yeah some weird name. but doesn't it also <laughs> have uh, huh. um, John Saxon is he in it or am John I thinking Saxon of another is, movie? Uh, is the detective that's it yeah and yeah. he's also in because uh, I saw him I was like who the fuck is this guy this guy looks very familiar I looked him up yeah and the, I think the only thing I've known him from is from from Dust Till Dawn he's the he's the really? detective on TV who's telling about. Uh, the crime that the Gecko Brothers just committed. I like. I was, I was looking through his IMDb. I was like, I don't know any of these other movies that he's in. <laughs> you haven't seen Enter the Dragon. I probably have. Has been like when okay, I was like twelve okay. or something. Okay, right. I right. may have, I may recognize recognize right, that yeah. too. But and I want to say he was in like I want to say he was in one of the Halloweens or like maybe. another another slasher movie later on. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Yeah, but uh, so, hmm. so yeah, is he's this like the first slasher. No, 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 no. This is. Uh, the first modern slasher, I guess. They they say that mm. there are other movies. Because I always heard that Halloween was like the first. Like, you know, well, this is modern. very yeah. much like Halloween. It might be the first one where like the camera is like from like the uh, the POV POV of the. That's uh, what Carpenter said. It's one of the things yeah. he took from it. Is yeah, yeah, POV okay. of the killer, and uh, he said that he was going to make a. Uh, or apparently, it was originally supposed to be like a. I guess like a loose sequel to it or something, right? Set at Halloween, but then he just changed into this other, created the Michael Myers character and everything. Yeah. So, hmm. but uh, like I say, just a, more more entertaining and better to me than uh, Halloween. Uh, then uh, we caught half of Lethal Weapon two on TV, <laughs> which is my favorite Lethal Weapon, and uh, just realized you know what we never watched Lethal Weapon three. We had watched uh, number one and number two like four years ago, me and my wife, mm. and we never got around to the third and fourth one. And uh and I'd seen I've seen them all before obviously, but so I rewatched uh, Lethal Weapon three and it's not great, but it's certainly entertaining. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's fun for what it is. It's pretty stupid, but <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it's the worst one. Uh, but anyway. Cool. Um my last film, uh Christmas Eve we watched, uh, what the fuck? Yeah, we watched Christmas Vacation. Yay. <laughs> Directed by John Landis? Is that right? I don't know. Let's see. John, I don't know. Dude, Letterboxd keeps you telling on the poster. me. No, Jeremiah oh. Chechik. Why do I think John Landis? Oh, oh, he directed Vacation. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. It was Christmas Vacation. Mm. Yeah, okay. this is Christmas Vacation. Gosh, gosh. Um, you know, it's Christmas Vacation. Everyone's seen this movie. I haven't. You haven't seen this movie? No. Really? Wow. Um, I wouldn't say you're missing much. You're like, really not. Like, I, not I didn't see it, it until I was like, I don't know, 27, 28. And I'm like, this isn't funny. This I know, is fucking, right? This is fucking stupid. Yeah, it, like, it's really... It's, I remember it's supposed to be that... Like, I just like don't the, like Chevy Chase The in scene general, where Chevy so. Chase like gets mad and starts yelling at everybody. Yeah, it's supposed yeah, to be yeah, funny, yeah. and I've seen that scene, and it's like, 
none of the things he's saying are funny <laughs> at all. Like they're not even no. remotely funny. Like not even like an ironic way. Yeah, yeah not even like in context of the yeah, movie. Like, like the, it's like the fact that he uses the the term four flushing. I'm like, it's like what, what is it? 1950? Like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's very PG. Uh, you know, like the 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 in laws come and stay with them, and I'm just like, really, like, yeah, <laughs> and. His his brother-in-law shows up, Randy Quaid, mm. and that's just, you know... Is he funny at all? You know, kinda. Yeah. Like, he, like, empties the uh, the septic, you know, like, the poop or whatever from his, uh, from his, <laughs> from their trailer home or whatever into, like, their, their uh, storm drain, and it just festers <laughs> oh, and creates this, like, gas that's that like, la- later in the film is ignited by one of the uh, in-laws. Which it's like a massive explosion. That sounds all right. But uh, that was pretty funny. Um, and then their neighbors is uh, oh Julia Louis Dreyfus, yeah, Elaine, mm. and, and who uh, else? Who's the guy? I don't remember. Like, I don't know. I don't know who he is. But they're like yuppies, you know. They're yeah. like, like super high oh, class. Yeah. And I saw a meme of them. That's the only reason. I oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, it's just not really. How's Juliet Lewis? Um. Young, forgettable sexy Juliet Lewis. Mm, no, no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> she's never sexy. Um, <laughs> gotta see Strange Days, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just completely forgettable. Um, whatever, gave it a two. Ouch, and it's just not that good. You had a bad uh, couple of weeks, my friend. Yeah, and it was sick, so yeah. watching yeah. it's sick. Not that enjoyable. It's like the first time I saw Austin Powers was it, when it came out on VHS for the first time. We rented it, and then I was like throwing up blood while I was watching it. So, so funny, though, right? I didn't like it. I was like, this Aww. movie's not good at all. It's not funny. And then I watched it again I was, when I was well, and I was like, this is the funniest movie it's ever so, seen. It's <laughs> so funny you mentioned Austin Powers, because right after that, they, they put on Austin Powers 2. Uh, oh, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> The uh, the scene where he's I think it's the second one where he's he's like drinking the the shit or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's in the first. No, yeah, it's the second. The second with Fat Bastard. Fat Bastard stool sample. Yeah, it's a bit nutty. (laughs) I laughed for like five minutes straight. I laughed way more in that little like that little like thirty second clip. I laughed way more than Christmas Vacation. (laughs) It just shows where your level of humor is. A bit nutty. He, like, almost drinks it, like, four times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the, when he finally, the bus <laughs> That was good. Uh, so, yeah. That shit's funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, let's man. see. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. I watched uh, Nostalgia, the Tarkovsky movie. Oh, his last great film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I didn't. I I don't know. Like maybe I wasn't. Maybe I wasn't in the right frame of mind to appreciate it. But like, it felt like a lot of it was like holding over from like. I don't. It felt like kind of a greatest hits. Yeah. Like it seemed like there was a I lot. There that. was a lot of stuff held over from Stalker and from Solaris and like a little bit of like Ivan's childhood this is too. Stalker, and like, though, isn't it? no, no, it's this after. Is, this is yeah. Um, this is in the eighties. Yeah, yeah it's it like, like 80, 74 for some reason. This is before the mm. sacrifice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I there's got a lot, lot of, of like Bergman sort yeah. of stuff in there. And like I can see like kind of what he's trying to do. It's like it's almost like he's trying to do like his version of like uh, Wild Strawberries or something like that. It's like like the conceit of it is very Bergman-esque for me. 
but like the execution I didn't think was all that great. So I yeah. gave it gave it a three. I think the common uh, conception is like once he left Russia, he was kind of like yeah he sucked. <laughs> this was in Italy. He like filmed this in Italy. Yeah, I mean it wasn't horrible, <sighs> but like he just lost. I don't know, his like passion or something. I don't know. But like in the beginning of it, like, you know, I was like. You know, they're, like, speaking Russian, and then, oh, speak Italian, okay. And then they start speaking in Italian, and I was like, oh, is this going to be, like, uh, Rochelle Rochelle? A young girl's erotic journey from Milan to Minsk? I hope so. And then it wasn't. Um, Bummer. Yeah. But, let's see, then I rewatched uh, The Gospel According to St. Matthew by Pier Paolo Pasolini, mm. which is... Not quite as good as I remembered it being, but still really good. Like, um, one of the, one of the things that starring unibrow Jesus, yeah, unibrow Jesus, <laughs> some Spanish uh, like poetry student. Yeah, just it's just 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 some random dude that like he like he found and like, um, but yeah, like so, <laughs> like a lot of a lot of like scenes in movies I feel where they're like about to like kill children it'll usually be you know like it'll be something like they show the kid and then like they show like someone like step close to the kid and then like they cut away and then like uh you know oh they've killed our they've killed our child and et cetera, et cetera. but like this one there's a whole like two minute scene of them just like hacking babies up on a hillside and like tossing their bodies into the air and stuff Holy shit. Stuff. It's like, jeez. Well, like, Damn. watching it, like, it looks, it does look pretty goofy, but, like, but then you, like, step back for a second and you think, like, wait a second. Yes, it looks kind of goofy, but still they're killing children. Yeah. So it's like, whoa. I there's mean, scene, but, then it, but then it is fucking Pasolini, so. There's a scene at the beginning of the, uh, TNT original movie, Moses, starring Ben Kingsley, where they, they're killing babies, you know, because they're uh-huh. trying to kill Moses. Right. And one of the soldiers grabs a baby from a, uh, the mother and walks to the edge of this cliff and, like, throws it into the forest. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty extreme. Wow. So, not, yeah. not as quite as extreme as hacking them, but still. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, like you can tell it's just, like, a bundle of cloth, but still, right, like, the right. conceit is that they're... No, it's brutal. Yeah, they're... Yeah. yeah. Um, the John the Baptist scene is still really good. Um... Yeah, it's an overall mm-hmm. solid movie. Um, Good stuff. Like, as much as I kind of don't want to, I think I should at some point watch Solo again. Just to get a better perspective on it. Sure. Yeah. I've been meaning and I need to, to, I I need to watch the, about rewatching some it myself. Of, yeah, and I need to watch... I started watching his Arabian Nights, um, but for some reason I just didn't end up finishing it. Like, I, I watched think, like, the, the Cameron, and it was, uh, okay, it was okay. Okay. I've been meaning to watch Arabian Nights and uh, Canterbury Tales. Also, I have yeah, all yeah. of them. I have the trilogy of life set. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> I went back to the theater on uh, Tuesday to see All the Money in the World, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Michelle Williams, Mark Wahlberg, and famously Christopher Plummer replacing Kevin Spacey as J. Paul Getty. And, uh, you know, I don't know why I was expecting this to be at least good, 
because <laughs> it's Ridley Scott, and he's just proven over and over again what a shit, shitty director he is, and just the most generic, like, he he is Ron Howard, essentially. <laughs> uh, he's the British Ron Howard. So uh, I don't understand why Ouch. people still suck his dick so much. It's like he did two great films 40 years ago. Let's move on. <laughs> but uh, this one yeah. uh, is a real mess. Uh, tells Damn. the story of the kidnapping of John Getty Third, I think is who it is. Uh, who they call Paul in the movie is to avoid confusion. And uh, just this real, uh, I would say like a massaging of history, but it's more like a rape of history. Like it's just like you go on the read the Wikipedia page, none of this shit happened the way it happens in this movie. It's so <laughs> wow. Hollywood conventional. Uh, you know, this they just really twisted the whole narrative around so to, in order to make Michelle Williams the... Uh, protagonist of the film, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that necessarily. Uh, and I think she's fine in the movie. She's certainly not like great or anything, but she's fine. Uh, but it's just such a bizarre, like nothing burger of a movie. I mean, just nothing interesting happens. There's one scene where they, the uh, Italian government like does a raid on the kidnappers and shoots a bunch of them. That's pretty good. Good blood squibs. But uh, <clears throat> outside of that, I'd say there's very little going on in this movie that's interesting at all. And uh, Christopher Plummer is, he's good, he's fine, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like, who cares? And when I'm watching it, it's so distracting to think, oh, this, this scene has Christopher Plummer <laughs> and Mark Wahlberg. This is one of the scenes they reshot. Let's see if Mark Wahlberg looks any different than he did in the other scene. Because it's like they shot it like six months later. Yeah. Mm. And it's like. They, just, they didn't do like the uh, Robert Rodriguez thing where they just kind of like, you know, like cut it. No, in. they reshot everything. God damn. It took uh, nine days and $10 million and they reshot everything. Jesus Christ. Uh, which is fine. And that's, it's admirable that they tried to do that rather than, I'm glad they didn't just shelve it, you know, but at the same time, it's very distracting. And you, you definitely get the feeling though, that like Kevin Spacey in this would have been horrible. <laughs> like he would have been a nightmare really, cause mm. it just would make no sense. Like his makeup would have been way more distracting. <laughs> uh, so maybe know. they should have shelved this movie. Maybe, but, uh, I don't know. I'd say overall it's pretty, uh, forgettable. And, uh, Mark Wahlberg is just like, who cares? Like just, he could literally could have hired any actor on earth to play this role. Like, he could have hired a guy off the street and he probably could have handled the role. <laughs> like, he did nothing in this movie. So, oh, Michelle Williams is like affecting this, like, Jackie Kennedy accent oh, thing. God, so, at least, no. at least, well, at least she's doing something. Yeah, but well, still. Yeah. But, anyways, uh, not, not very great. Two and a half. Uh, and honestly, two and a half seems high to me now. But, uh,. <laughs> Got home and two and a uh, half just for the squibs. Yeah, just those squibs alone were right. incredible. There are squibs. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're real squibs. Actual squibs. Oh yeah, and some blood gets on the camera at one point, which is pretty sweet. Wow. Um, and there's a scene where they cut off somebody's ear, and it's pretty good too. They get a doctor in there to do it with like a scalpel. <laughs> it's and they're did like this, holding him down. They're like scraping his. Did ear any off of that him. actually happen? Yeah, yeah. He got his ear cut off in real life. <coughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the guy, the main guy, they were sent. You know, they sent his ear to the newspaper as proof that he was alive. Oh. Um, then I watched, uh, got home and uh, watched Constantine for the first time, starring Keanu Reeves, directed by somebody who cares. Uh, 
we're also starring Rachel Weisz, which I totally had forgotten that she's mm. in this, which it's really weird to see her in this because she just seems above this kind of stuff. But um, She was in The Mummies. Apparently yeah, not. That, that's true. I mean, I forget those kinds of things now that she's kind of uh, – the stuff that she's doing now, these like stark period dramas and things. Yeah. So, also stars Tilda Swinton and uh, Peter Stormari and some other people. Uh, this movie is uh, – Oh, it's directed by Francis Lawrence, who did all the Hunger Games movies after the first one, and is doing that upcoming Red Sparrow film with Jennifer Lawrence. But uh, mm. uh, oh. this movie's not good, not great. That is, it's okay. It's certainly watchable, and it's like it's got some moments that are kind of fun. But for the most part, it's just kind of like a slog, and there's not that much action in it. Uh, Whereas you'd think it'd be like yeah. a big action movie. It's got Keanu Reeves in it, and it's like he's carrying a gun on the poster and everything. But it's just like he doesn't get that gun until like the last ten minutes of the movie, and oh. he shoots a bunch of people in the I've last never scene. Seen this. Yeah. Isn't it's that supposed okay. to be based on uh, John Constantine, the Hellblazer comics? Yeah, he is John Constantine from the Hellblazer comics. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, it's totally Keanu Reeves is not who I would have pictured as, as John Constantine. Well, in the comics, he's blonde, I believe. So, I and he's know. also Cockney. So, oh well, they changed him to a Los Angelesian okay. in this uh. one. Uh, you know, <laughs> this one uh, is just—I uh, I probably put it on the skip pile. If you haven't seen it by now, it's probably not worth seeing. Um, but it is—it is a little bit like. I could see this movie, like, this the franchise going places. Like, if they had a chance to do sequels, like, the sequels might have been better. Mm. But this first one's not that great. And the CG is awful. Mm-hmm. But it is from 2005, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have more, Jonathan? No, I'm, I'm tapped Kevin? Uh, yeah, let's see. Why don't you go ahead and do... Uh, I have three more, but one of them's a short film. Okay, I got two more. Okay. Uh, let's see, watched... The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant by Rainer Werner Fassbinder. And it was good. Um, not great. There's some good There's some good acting in this movie, but it all takes place in, in one room. It's really long. Um, so, yeah, I gave it three. I haven't. This um, is one of the ones that I uh, haven't seen and have very little interest in seeing. Yeah, I mean, I saw Veronica Voss and I was like, it, yeah. it wasn't great. And I was like, I don't want to watch any more of these like weird, like female centric period. I don't know. They just weren't that great. Yeah, I mean, period pieces. That is not period as administrating. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, yeah, you know, like I guess for you know, when was this made? Early early seventies mm-hmm. in Germany, it was probably pretty challenging to have you know uh, lesbian characters and and all that kind of stuff. But now it's just like uh, the main character Petra. She's very she's very much a like she's very overly like melodramatic, like needlessly overdramatic. And so yeah, I mean, they get Janet Lee to play her. Not Janet Lee. Who's the who's the one from? Uh, I just fucked that joke up. Who's the, who's the lady from? Uh, the lady, the lady from uh, Streetcar. Oh, and, and Gone with the Wind. Vivian Lee. Vivian Lee. Yeah, yeah. They get Vivian Lee to play her. I'll cut the rest of that out. <laughs> but then, 
I finally got around to watching Burden of Dreams. Oh. And I stand I stand by what I've said all along. Like Herzog himself is ten times more interesting than any of the movies that he's made. <laughs> the like there's that there's that one scene where he's like on top of the boat and they're like zooming down this this Amazonian yeah. river and he's just, you know, casually like got a cigarette in his mouth and he's like flinging <laughs> huge he's, tree branches away. He's a god. And like <laughs> Like there and the other one where he's like trying to he's like trying to pull the goat out of the water and he's like just hanging on and you know. Um Yep. Yeah, Way better like, than Fitzcrawl though. <laughs> yeah. I mean Need to rewatch Fitzcrawl. It was interesting too, like the the fact that they're filming um uh in like there's like a border dispute in like Peru and like South America must have been having like a huge amount of border disputes in um, in the late to uh, mid to late seventies because uh, that was one of the uh, things about Jim Jones and People's Temple when he made Jonestown in Guyana. The reason that they left the reason that they left this fucking cult in the place for so long was because Guyana was in a border dispute with, uh, whatever. Hang on. Nicaragua. No, Nicaragua's central America. Oh, don't challenge this man. He, oh, he's taken classes. <laughs> you know. So much so that I have to look it yeah, up. She, he has anyway, to look it up. So, so they're, they're, they're in a border dispute with someone else. The neighboring so they, country. So the neighboring country. So like they, like, okay, as long as we have Americans there, they won't fuck with us. Yeah. Oh, wow. Which is like, yeah, I mean, like, if anyone has the chance to read uh, The Road to Jonestown, Jim Jones and People's Temple, that book is amazing because it sheds a huge amount of light on a lot of things that were going on in America and in the world with, you know, like, um, religion and social programs of the time and you know race and class and any interest in watching uh ty west's the sacrament what's that about horror film based on the jonestown massacre oh i'm gonna have to check that out it was it good i didn't see it okay i i liked ty west's earlier film called house of the devil uh, okay but uh which i would recommend has greta gerwig in it actually Mm. she gets her head blown off um (laughs) but this movie the Sacrament was made in, a, in an association with Vice magazine. Oh. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's really weird because it's about Jonestown, essentially. Uh-huh. But like, and it has a character that looks like Jim Jones, who's right. the leader of a cult in this uh, jungle setting. Yeah. But there's a Vice film crew who goes to visit them, and it's like 2016. So it's weird. It's like, it's like they're trying to retell it, but like in modern... I don't huh. know. It's bizarre, but well, like they did have like uh, like towards the end of Jonestown, like they did have like uh, you know there was a U.S. senator who yeah, went yeah. down there. They all and, got you know, shot. He, yeah, and they yeah. all got shot. The uh, and- <laughs> uh, the the actor who plays the Jim Jones esque leader is the guy who was the uh, the guy who flips the coin with uh, Anton Chigurh in the convenience store in uh, oh, okay what you might call it No Country for Old Men. Oh, okay. I need to stand. Know what I stand to lose, you know, or whatever he says. I'm in. Yeah. So he's he's the guy. But um, yeah. Mm. So okay, I got three more. Uh, just real quick, talked. Uh, w- saw the movie Twisted, which is a short, a 15 minute uh, documentary, uh, short 
that's on Vimeo right now for free, so check it out if you can. It's a great uh, little doc about the uh, the urban legend of a of a tornado hitting a drive-in screen in Ontario while it was playing Twister oh. in 1996, and uh, it's really more of a story about like perceived reality and memory and. Like, certain people remember this happening, but it turns out it didn't actually happen. So it's like, you know, this interesting uh, conversation about those things. So check that one out for sure. Uh, rewatched Good Time, actually, like, just a couple hours ago with the director's commentary. And, unfortunately, <clears throat> I'm not judging the film. I didn't oh, watch okay. the film. I just heard the director's commentary. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? I wouldn't call it a watch. But, uh... <laughs> Unfortunately, it's like got Josh and Benny Safdie, the directors, but it also has like it all. Robert Pattinson's on it. Buddy Duress is on it. The little African-American girl who's in the movie is on it. And one of the producers is on it. So the voices get a little difficult to discern. Uh, So it's like when you're listening to the, the, you're trying to hear stuff. And the only one who's like, you're always know who it is, is Buddy Duress. Because he just sounds, oh, you got that that Brooklyn accent. You know, he's like, (laughs) so anytime he says something and almost everything he says is about time that he spent in jail. So he's like, because apparently the film is what came, it started out as a prison film. And they said that the, even the name good time is a ref is a prison slang. For getting out early based on good behavior. <laughs> good time. Wow. So, like, you get enough good time, you leave. And uh, and it's it was going to be based on Buddy Duress's prison diaries that he had when he was in prison. Mm. But uh, Where is that movie? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> they said that a lot of the a lot of the stuff, like, he was, like, during the Rikers Island scenes, he's was, he was like, Rikers is just like this. This is exactly what goes on. You like you go in there and you like that. He's just, he, it was really, it was interesting to, <laughs> wow. to listen to. But, um <laughs> Yeah, the commentary is fine. It's, you know, it's a commentary. They're not supposed to be amazing. But uh, finally, last night, just sat down with the old laptop and uh, looked at all the illegally downloaded movies I had on my hard drive and decided to finally watch one called Breadcrumb Trail, directed Mm. by Lance Bangs from 2014. (laughs) It's uh, about the band Slint from uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and it it's great now i will say this just a little be forewarned okay because i know jonathan wants to see this now uh this movie is all four and a half of my stars come from the fact that this movie is about slint yeah okay okay (laughs) this movie is not a well-made movie really like if this were about anything else it would get a lesser rating just because of the kind of amateurish nature of the filmmaking Mm -hmm. like it's kind of shoddily made at times but the content is so fucking good. The stories are so fucking good. Sweet. It's it just and the behind the scenes like high eight video footage of them practicing in their oh, basement. Yeah. Well, and stuff. Wow, they had like just, rehearsal stuff. Oh yeah, and they're I had no idea. Maybe you knew this. They're fucking young as shit. Yeah, when like they recorded teenagers. the album, they were like teenagers. Yeah, nineteen, which is that. nuts. So yeah. I mean, it's great. And there's a lot of other great bands that they uh, interview. Hmm. Not not saying that I knew who these bands were before to watch this film. I didn't. But going on and looking them up afterwards, they're fantastic. And uh, so, yeah, highly, highly recommend watching Breadcrumb Trail if you're a Slint fan. Do you like Slint, Kevin? Can't say that I've heard of them. Oh, oh God. Oh. <laughs> you are <great>. so lucky. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Go and download, or no, just buy it. Spiderland by Slint. Please. Okay. <laughs> He's not kidding. It's one of the all-time. You've seriously great never records. heard of this. 
If I have, I don't remember. Dude, this is awesome. A lot of great information in this. Talk I wish too. I would have never heard this, and it's like I can listen to it again for the first time. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> uh, a lot of like, like they talk about Will Oldham a lot, and how they they all yeah. He took like, the photo on the yeah, on the, yeah, cover, on yeah. the cover, and they're all just buddies. And apparently, he's in the he's driving the car on the front of Tweez. <laughs> he's wearing like a like a motorcycle helmet inside the car. It's like a oh, sob. Wow. And uh, and Steve Albini, you know, pr- uh, recorded the that album Tweez and the uh, EP uh-huh. and apparently uh, he was working at a photo lab at the time and so he made the cover too like he, he put the the name of the band and Tweez and the, oh, and wow. the gorilla of the car and everything huh. and uh, also the EP too oh god yeah the EP just <laughs> I still listen amazing. to that like at least once a year like and the whole history of that like why they recorded the things that they recorded when they did and stuff it's just really interesting but one more little tidbit <laughs> that's just gonna this is this is ridiculous. <laughs> they okay. So Britt Walford and uh, Brian uh, McMahon, who are like the two guys who are Slynn, essentially. I mean, I think they would contest that, but because uh, in the movie, like nobody wants to take credit for being yeah. Like they're all just like we're you know we just sat together and we all came up with these songs and you know like they could give a shit, but uh, <laughs> but um, they're they're talking about how they like they're kids. So they used to record their farts. Yeah, really? <laughs> and their farts are on Tweez. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> they're like, uh, so they like, record, they, and, and the director asks Britt Walford point blank. He's like, what's this uh, about the rumor of like your, you guys recorded like yourselves farting and like the, that's the noise like in between some of the songs on Tweez. And Britt Walford just like starts cracking up laughing and he's like, no comment. <laughs> and it's, like, it's, just, it's Tweez is okay, but Spiderland is fucking incredible. Yeah, Tweez is, even they say they're not, they weren't happy with the way Tweez I mean, they're really young. I think they were because, like, yeah. Well, they were saying, that they blamed it on Albini because they were like, the production was weird. Because, really? Uh, and then one of the, one of the people they interviewed was saying that uh, it's because that kind of music was popular at the time. So they, they talked about Jesus Lizard. Yeah. Like just these effects that are on the guitars and stuff, like all that kind of stuff was popular at the time. Yeah. And that's what Albini was pushing. But yeah, Spiderland is more like a pure their vision. I yeah, guess, definitely. Of the record. So yeah, yeah. Spiderland rules, though. Yeah, you should listen to it. Uh, also, the EP, absolutely. The, the EP rules too. But uh, yeah, great, great documentary, uh, great content. So I guess that's going to do it for our what we watch section. Yeah. Let's move on to our deep dive, uh, John Carpenter's uh, sci-fi dystopian prison action b-movie minor masterpiece yeah. escape from new york <laughs> uh from 1980 starring kurt russell harry dean stanton donald pleasance isaac hayes some woman with cleavage uh, lots of cleavage <laughs> adrian barbeau adrian, adrian barbeau uh dies with the cleavage <laughs> yeah uh yeah so this was uh jonathan's pick for our film this week i have never seen this movie kevin I've seen it a couple times before. How'd you feel about it this time? Um, let's see. Oh. Actually, how'd you feel about it before? Uh, I remember thinking it was pretty good. I still think it's pretty good, uh, but probably for different reasons. Because it, it's been like over two years since I had seen it the last time before I rewatched it for this. Um, I noticed a lot of a lot of different things this go around. Um, 
I might be the only one who thought thought this, but I was like taking notes on like what the uh, like John Carpenter does the score, and I was making note of like what bands the scores reminded me of. Like oh, okay. I was thinking, uh, like some some of it reminded me of uh, some Tangerine Dream. Some of it really reminded me of Noi. Um, mm. Did you get like, some Night Court vibes? Anybody? Like I can see that. Night court. <laughs> I can see <laughs> Like I just, I don't know. I can like, see that. Yeah, actually, just, I don't know what it was. <laughs> yeah, I can't say um, I've ever seen just, Night Court. It just, so came, yeah. it just came to me. I was like, sounds like fucking Night Court. Yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, I was actually really impressed with a lot of the model work, like especially of the uh, the the t- Twin Towers. Like, a lot of it looked really good. I loved anything that was a co- like compositing or. Like any f- far shots of the landscape, him gliding in, all the special effects were yeah. like really good. Yeah, and like, like surprisingly good. Yeah, I, I think my favorite it was the uh, the downed Air Force One in the middle. I, I I don't know where the fuck they shot this. If they shot this, I don't know. But it looked nah. fucking incredible. Like just like the rubble of the uh, the the aircraft. Yeah, and yeah, he's, like, yeah. he's like wandering around with like the you know seven foot uh, silencer. I was <laughs> yeah, with all the accoutrements. <laughs> I was severely disappointed with the fact that the plane ran into a building, but you didn't get to see any of that. Yeah, and I was and I, and also it also made me wonder like when when he is, when he comes upon the wreckage of Air Force One, mm. why is it on the ground? Like why isn't it in the building that it ran into? <laughs> like knowing about September 11th yeah. and how that works yeah. now, it's like this wreckage would not be on the ground like this. The building would be probably the building would be in rubble, you yeah. know. Yeah, and when Lee Van Cleef goes in there for the first time, like, you know, they're able they're able within like uh, I don't know, 20 minutes to search like to to know that the president's not there. Yeah. Um <laughs> I mean, yeah, he got away in the pod, but um, I don't know, still. I guess we should synopsize <clears throat> the film, maybe. Uh, um, the movie is, yeah. uh, just for our listeners, the movie, yeah. or you know, whoever's <laughs> listening, the movie is about a, uh, the Air Force One gets hijacked and it crashes into New York City. That's become a prison island for all the maximum security prisoners in the United States. And the, pres- the uh, president is taken hostage. And who can save him but Snake Plissken? The uh, kind of archetypical badass played mm. by Kurt Russell. That's that's it. <laughs> yeah, and then he goes yeah. in to save him. The end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the one of the funniest things that I noticed, like watching it again, was like, you know, like Van Cleef like goes over like um, Snake Plissken's uh, like you know military record, and um, like you know the crime that got him there in the first place. But like when he gets in there, like every single person that he runs into somehow knows who snake Plissken is. (laughs) And it's like, his reputation precedes him apparently, but like such a badass, he's the ultimate badass. I guess. I mean, okay. Call me snake. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Jonathan, um, uh, let's see. The first time I saw this, I didn't see it all the way through. This is years ago, 20 years ago probably. Um, thought it was just epically cheesy, like on stars or something, you know. <laughs> um, you know, you know, liked it, I guess. Didn't really think about it. Uh, then last year, me and my wife watched it again. I was going through all the Carpenter movies, and I hadn't really seen a lot of Carpenter stuff. So, uh, you know, I was watching them all, liking most of them. And uh, this one especially, I don't know, I just like it a lot. Uh, I think it's, you know... 
yeah, it's like a little cheesy, you know, it's like, yeah, sure, he's like a badass. And it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just cheesy. Like, it, it's, it's, it's done to death at this point. But uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just not a lot of thought going into this. They're just like, go in, kill a bunch of people, and fucking leave. I don't know. It's, mm. you know, it's just an action movie. Uh, but for me, like, it's just the setting and stuff really rules. Like, all the sets are great. Um, I like the characters. Harry Dean Sand rules. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just like it. And like awesome. you said, I like all the backdrop stuff. Like all, just looks, all the special looks effects are great. It's yeah. really good. All the special effects are I great. I laughed a lot when like Ernest Borgnine, you know, like he pulls up in his cab and like, you know, this stuff is like gold. And he sets it on, sets his Molotov cocktail on fire <laughs> and like, throws it and boom. And, like, you know, he's just so, uh, whoop, and boom. It was yeah. hilarious. Yeah, I don't know. Yep. Uh, this movie is a piece of shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. You hated it. I dislike this movie profoundly. Uh, I honestly, I guess it's you could. It's really, it's great that you watch Valerian and didn't like it because uh-huh. it's the exact same thing. I don't understand how you like this movie at all, <laughs> at all. So like, we don't know each other as well as we thought we did. Because if I was to watch this, I would like by myself, and you hadn't seen it. I would never recommend this to you in a million years as something. I was just really see. surprised you'd never seen it. Uh, not no. I'm glad you recommended. I'm glad I saw it. I, I I'm up to watch anything. I don't give a fuck. But uh, that doesn't mean I'm gonna like it. Uh, and I did not like this. And just like from the, that point of view of like, it's a little cheesy. This movie is nonstop cheesy. Like every part of it is cheesy. <laughs> every character is cheesy, with maybe the exception of Harry Dean Stanton a little. Because he seems pretty down to earth, but that's just because like he's you know he doesn't act. He just yeah plays he just yeah he's Harry Dean Stanton. He really does. Yeah. So, uh, so he's fine, but uh, just there. It just this movie feels so overly ambitious. It really is. and yeah. has like just misses every every conceivable opportunity to be good. It misses it entirely. Mm-hmm. So just starting with like he flies into New York City. This haven for criminals, right? Lands on top of the World Trade Center. Uh, Lee Van Cleef has told him the World Trade Center is empty. So you take the uh, you take the elevator down to fifty floor and then you walk it. Okay, that's cool. Whatever. So I'm thinking Lee Van Cleef he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking <laughs> about. That World Trade Center is going to be full of people, and he's going to have to fight his way down through the World Trade Center. And it's going to be badass. He lands on the World Trade Center, he gets in the elevator, cut to, he's on the street. Like, this is a nightmare of a movie. I was like, what am I watching here? But why, why wasn't there an action sequence immediately? Can't afford it. This Are you movie, kidding me? I know. This movie's not an action movie. There's, like, literally hardly any action in it. Mm. Like, nothing happens in this movie. It's just, like, him walk, And then, like, just, just it's literally, he gets there, he goes down to the street, he walks to the pod, which I don't even know why he does that because the pod is empty. We know, we know that already. Then he walks. He's got the watch showing him where the guy is. Mm-hmm. He just fall, He just walks over to where the thing is. Oh, he's not here. Now I have to start asking people questions. <laughs> where is the president? Where is the president? Finally finds out where the president is. Isaac Hayes has him. It's just like it's just such a I, – I agree. No thought went into it. It's like mind-numbing. It's like every time it could do something interesting, it chooses to go the most simplistic, boring path it could possibly yeah. go. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like you're picking on a child. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. It's like this movie's not any, this movie's not any more than it's, it is. I don't know. You're just – 
Yeah, but even for what comparing it did, this to the Valerian is just like not fair at all. I'm not comparing it to Valerian. I'm comparing you it the did, way I, mean, I feel. I'm not. I'm comparing it the way I feel about it to the way you feel oh, about okay, Valerian. Okay. Uh, this movie is not like Valerian at all. But <laughs> I would say that a movie a movie that this is like is Dread. This movie well, is like not Dread. Fair either. Though. Yeah, it is. It is. It no, is it's fair. not. Yes, it is. Here's, no, it here's, is. no, it is not. Dread yes. was made like two years ago. Yes, <laughs> for a comparable budget for the time. And look how much further they stretched it. And I agree that there is. You like, can uh, with a twenty million dollar budget now, you can make Escape from New York look twenty times better for the same fucking budget. I agree. I could, he could have made CG makes the difference. He could have made. Me? He could have made. Escape from New York look better or be better then. It's nothing wrong with the way Escape from New York looks. There's a problem with the fact that it's got nothing going on in it. Mm. That like literally no nothing happens. Like he like it's like a detective story and it's not interesting at all. And there's like one or two action sequences. The one where he fights the guy with the the bat with the nails in it, which is like kind of cool, but it's just like it's so anticlimactic. Like he he just slams the thing into the guy's head and it's over. I wanted to see some gore at this point. I'm like, well, here we go. This is going to be gross, and yeah. there's nothing happens again. Mm-hmm. And then they have to, they have this ridiculous car chase uh, down this. Br- Don't get me started about the fucking bridge. Why is the bridge <laughs> oh, open at all? Why it's open, but it has mines on it. Why give them any chance? Just close, the, blow up the bridge. Well, they have to. They have to have a way to get in, I guess. Okay, but why would you just put like gates on either side of it? Or something? Like, why would you be able to go on the bridge? I don't know. What sense does I that make? I asked myself the same question. I don't know. Why is this good then? I, it's, a th- it's like a three. I'm not, I'm not saying. I'm oh, not well, saying you, it's okay. like a five. Well, here. you said you really enjoyed this, especially. You were like, oh, I like yeah. all of Carpenter Fields, especially this one. Well, I mean. It's I, a three? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you don't really like all of Carpenter Fields? I watched They Live This and. Uh, is this better than The Thing? No. This okay. is not better than The Thing. Because The Thing is like, destroys this uh, in every way. <laughs> And, then and I, I don't, that I, would probably be Carpenter's and masterpiece. For me, the, and I watch Halloween as well. And for me, the thing yeah. isn't even that great. It's good. It's very good. But it's like it's not. It's like a four. It's not amazing. Ugh. Really? Yeah. I've only seen it once. That's though, a five. To be fair. I'm sorry. The okay. thing is a five. Uh, a five. Halloween, well, Rick, Halloween. Rick Baker makes that yeah. movie a five. Not not so much John Carpenter. Not for me. But but uh, <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. I just didn't. It just didn't. It's the work same for as me. They Live. I mean, it's like They Live is like. Super fucking cheesy, but I, mm. I think it has some value. I don't think it's like totally like trash. I think <laughs> this is like really close to being trash. I mean, okay, to me, I, like aside from its cast and maybe the fact that it's doing something that was slightly unusual, although it's really not doing anything unusual. I mean, it's just like a B movie. I mean. Like, they've been making these movies for a long time. Aside from its cast, like, if this was cast with different actors, like, nobodies, like Brian Bosworth or something, mm-hmm. this would be a forgotten film. Nobody would know about this. Yeah, probably. So You're right. Uh, I, I just have a, qu- I have a question. Two questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, th- these, don't, these don't even make a lot of sense to me now because it's been, like, two <laughs> weeks since I've watched this. But <coughs> why did Ernest Borgnine have the tape? Because he got it from the, the gimp guy. Did we see this happen? No. No, but it was implied. When? When is it implied? Because he was in the room with the gimp dude. The gimp dude. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, the, the guy with the tall ass yeah. hair. Oh, okay. The weird looking. The, 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 the feral one. Yeah. I like that guy, too. 
I could have done with more of that guy. I love it. I love. He's the, barely in it. I love the scene yeah. where he uh, you first see him and like the guys come down on the choppers. I like that part too, where he gives him the ulti, he tells yeah. him to get out, or else he's going to die yeah. or whatever. That's cool. I was like, this guy's about like this is what I want to see. Mm. I'll see like these crazy <laughs> maniac killers, and Snake has to go into the into the lion's den with these guys. But like, there's no danger. Like when Snake gets there, he's such a badass that he's not afraid of anything. Nothing. Well, the he street, could give the a street walk, the night walkers. <laughs> No, like people start coming out of the coming out of their sewers and shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. But again, that's like uh, that, well, that would have been great if he like had fought some of them. But he just runs from them, and, and then, then he, he finds the woman that dies instantly. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. but then he like reach up out of the floor and like pull her down. It was like, yeah, it was really fucking. Random. And that's that's a funny thing too. Like they made like in the credits like special guest starring this woman who's in there for like a total of two and a half minutes. Yeah. Um, I liked the, a couple of things I did like uh, the chandeliers as hood ornaments on his car. <laughs> yeah. on Isaac Hayes' yeah. car. That was pretty cool. Uh, I also uh, didn't mind uh, Adrian Barbo's cleavage. Had that on here. That was pretty nice. Uh, let's see. Donald Pleasance shooting the Duke at the end. That's pretty good. Like I like the squibs and, and the, mm. the blanks and everything. Like It was really like loud and how he's like screaming about a number one and all this he's just like a maniac yeah uh, that was pretty cool uh, i i did find it confusing at the end though like they're like there's like a winch system and they're like dragging the people up and for some reason the winch gets turned off and he gets like stuck in the middle of the wall like who's turning the winch off the like, president did to why? shoot the guy i have no idea so he turned the winch off so that he could shoot like i just let let the guy come up and shoot the things automatically <laughs> no idea that yeah. makes no sense that bothers these me. are questions for john Confrier. <laughs> uh what and was he doesn't care what, what was on the tape um it was I don't, something peace agreement or something yeah but like what, what was the what was the problem i, I don't <laughs> dude who knows yeah, i mean was, but that's like kind of a problem like that's problematic I, that you don't know like that I, is the MacGuffin of the film i mean the president i guess is the MacGuffin, but like it's just like he's destroying this tape at the end. I'm like, you know, why is he destroying this tape? Who cares? Like, yeah, there, there was some, there was something about like, like apparently like America and Russia are on the verge of nuclear war. <laughs> Big surprise yeah. for the eighties. And there was Russia, the Soviet union. That's, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, anyway, so yeah, like there's something on that tape where, you know, secrets or like, uh, something, but like, but like he's also like the president is on his way to a peace summit in like Connecticut or something. <laughs> yeah, and instead like of going to the peace summit, he gets onto the TV news to play the video to play, to play the the cassette tape, which that then tur- which, which then turns out to just be Benny Goodman. That's brutal. Yeah, it makes no sense. Like, like he would give a press like, conference instantaneously. Like he just he just got rescued. Yeah, and he was in like they're shaving him and like. You know. And I love how I love how that. Did he also lose a finger? <laughs> I think he did. No, yeah. well, uh, like, didn't like the feral guy like throw a like a like a. Feels like something that graphic. I, I would have remembered. I don't, I don't think so. Okay, I, I might be thinking of a different movie. But like the, that that <clears> last scene though, like where he's like they're shaving him and they're getting him ready. And Snake comes up to him and he's like, aren't you going to tell these people the truth or whatever? And it's like, and I'm just like, like, where does Snake get off being self-righteous at this moment? Like, what yeah. is he mad at the president about? What has the president done wrong here? Yeah. And then he's ill. 
Huh? He's been in jail. Oh, give me a break. It's so it's like so it's such a thinly veiled like attempt at some kind of commentary about something. Yeah. Like yeah. the people who wield power, but it's like so lazy and just like last minute <laughs> thrown in there. It's like we're supposed to feel like this guy's an asshole because he's getting shaved. And like yeah. makeup put on him because he's about to go on television, which is just like what happens. Well, yeah, and he's know. like, you know, <laughs> a lot of people died, and like, oh, well, I, I, I thank them for their patriotic sacrifice. And right. It's like, well, uh, I mean, what, what's whatever. he supposed to do? Cry about it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> come on. Like, well, Snake looks really broken up about the fact that he killed <laughs> oh, all these sure. people. <laughs> like, let me tell you, yeah, he was real bummed out about it. Hmm. I got a question for you guys. Lay it on me. It seems like John Carpenter, like, you know, I, I haven't seen very many of his movies, but does he deserve the, like, cult status as an amazing director that he seems to have? Because, like, you, you name off, you know, like, The the Thing, Halloween, Escape from New Honestly, York, uh, like, like, a bunch of these, like, cultish-type films, and, like, I feel like it's Ghost kind of, of like... Mars. <laughs> Honestly, no. The Ward. I would say no. Because okay, the only yeah. film I really like by him is The Thing. Even yeah. Halloween was, like, okay. Yeah. And <clears throat> and I They f- Live was, like, hard to get through. And yeah. that's, like, super cult status. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, like I said, it's got redeeming, you know, qualities. But, yeah. like, it's... I don't think John Carpenter is anything <laughs> special as a director. I just think he has, like... I think it's... He has a specific taste... Yeah. And his uh, yeah, yeah. his taste creates these films that are very like him, and I haven't seen enough of them to be an, an authority on this. And I, I mean, I'm I like vampires a lot, so That's I don't right, yeah, I don't know if I'm even an authority here. Like on that, like people yeah, would think I mean, like I suck because I like vampires. I think vampires is one of his better movies. I think early on it was like a DIY thing for him, and I think that's why people like it because you know he I did everything. He did like everything. You know, yeah, I mean, even the music. He's like Robert Rodriguez <clears throat> of his time. Yeah. Shot, cut, and scored by Rob Rod. But uh, right. yeah, I don't. I don't know if he. I mean, whatever. He can. It's fine that people like yeah. John Carpenter. I just. Well, like I was thinking. I'm about, not one like, of these people who's just gonna like blindly. You know, you can't just like like. I I have no problem with John Carpenter, but at the same time, if I see a movie that's not good to me, I'm not gonna be like, well, it's John Carpenter, so it's pretty good. You know, yeah. <laughs> this, this movie does not do it for me at all. So well, like after after like. Looking at after seeing the disaster artist and like you know thinking about like the room and like the cult status that it has, like and you know like we talked earlier about uh, like David Lynch and like uh, Twin Peaks and stuff like that. Like are like do people like really legitimately enjoy this stuff for what it is, <laughs> or or are we just so steeped in like this post ironic hipster? Land, it's that okay. It's, it's the yeah. I think it's a mixture of the two. <laughs> okay, yeah. Although I don't think the room and Twin Peaks are comparable at all. I think the room is only ironically liked. I don't think anybody genuinely likes the room. I mean, okay, you know, nobody watches the room thinking like this is actually pretty good. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I I think something like Twin Peaks, anything that's like weird and difficult to understand or challenging at all, if it's liked by a lot of people. Yeah, I mean... Then I imagine you could say that, like, yeah, a lot of those people probably aren't... They're probably... Like, some of them are probably just... Like, I, for instance, I enjoy Lynch's stuff. It's, like, beyond, like, caring about what what it means. I enjoy the experience of 
you know, being confused by it and uh, not understanding what's going on some of the time and things like that. I like, you know, just certain scenes and certain lines and the way things are delivered and the way things look. Well, Lynch knows what he's doing. Like, it's, you know, when there's something goofy, it's because he wanted it to be goofy. Like, it's not like it's... Yeah, like that was bad or something. But I feel like a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> a lot of people don't wouldn't wouldn't know that. They would say, you know, this is yeah, like, like some of this is ridiculous and it's like he's not self-aware. He doesn't know that this is ridiculous. No, he's hyper self-aware. <laughs> yeah, and like watching uh Elephant Man and Eraserhead, like both of those movies are in black and white, but like looking at like I mean even some, you know, one of his lesser movies like Dune, like David Lynch has such an eye for color, like, it's pretty astounding. See, I mean, something like that is, uh, like, that's what would drag me away from saying that, like, you know, John Carpenter's some kind of auteur or a great director, right. because I wouldn't say there's anything you can really point to that's like, wow, look at his, look at his use of the camera here. You know, it's just like, yeah, yeah. I don't even, he's like a yeah. journeyman director. He's just like, yeah. but I mean, he's an auteur in that he, he, He's, he's so involved. Yeah, he creates yeah. the picture that he's making, and he's not like a hired gun director necessarily. Yeah. But outside of that, I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, you're not looking at him being like, wow, what a great director. What a great use of visual language or anything like that. You know, he's more he's more known for his scores, I'd say, than his directing ability, like his musical stuff. And I don't even think that, that that's terribly great. So <laughs> just, Yeah. Like, like this uh, movie, I think the score is... Uh, okay in this movie at times but at other times it gets really like ridiculous and yeah like for some reason i remembered it being like i thought i remembered the score being like a lot darker like you know kind of film noir kind of thing but then like no it's kind of just not synth pop but it's on its way there yeah oh and i really 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 can't stress how much i hate his weapon that he uses the Uzi with the, the, Uzi silencer. With the silencer. That's and, not a silencer. And the scope. Yeah. It's not a silencer. And there's it's a, not silenced. And there's a scope <laughs> yeah. attached to the silencer. Well, like even yeah. the even the it's like revolver ridiculous. that he used, like the this mental the gun <laughs> the sound of the gunshots like really confused oh, me. I, it was like, <laughs> yeah. It's the, like, is that supposed to be a laser? Gun? Hands down, the worst part for me um, is at the end when she's like shooting at Isaac Hayes coming at her in uh-huh. the car. And she's holding this massive magnum, and there's no recoil <laughs> at all. A little bit of sparks falling to the ground out of it. I was like, "Really? It's pretty brutal." Yeah, oh, really. It was. It was really bad. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, yeah, Ouch. I don't know. It is what it is. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, well, uh, that's all I have to say about it. Any, any anybody else? Um, Thoughts on Escape from L.A. I'm going to watch it. I thought about watching it for this, but after (laughs) watching this, I was like, I really don't think I want to. I've seen it before, actually, when I was a kid, but I I remember it being so cheesy that it's like now and now I'm like, oh, he's he's aware of like. Sure. Yeah. It's It's a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I gave this a one. (laughs) Damn. Wow. I gave it a three and a half. I'd say three and a half. Like, I really do like the models and all that. Like I thought that really was very good. The models are super hot. Well, that too, and and the uh, <laughs> no, I, I know yeah, yeah. the miniatures. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's uh, <clears throat> move on to our uh, top ten and top fives and bottom fives and best and worst of the year in cinema. And uh, I don't know how you guys want to do this. I guess since I, I you have a top five or top ten, I have a top ten and not so honorable mentions. Okay, and then Jonathan has a top five, right? I have a top five, bottom five. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do: Kevin and I will take turns 
from 10 down to 6. Okay. And then we'll all take turns, five, the top five. Okay. Okay? So uh, I've got my top 10 up. This is very exciting. We're going to start at number 10. Okay. Uh, you can start, Kevin. If you want to say a little something about it or if somebody wants to ask a question, that's fine. Uh, let's see. Okay, so number 10, Blade Runner 2049. Ouch. I actually, like, I was going back over, like, all the stuff that had, like, come out this year, and, like, I really did not see very much. Like, I've got that is 14 movies on here. Right, right, right. Including the not, the not-so-honorables. I was surprised, actually, that either one of you were talking about doing top tens, because yeah, I, I was thinking that you guys I figured I'd get into have, the spirit of the thing. No, just you know. not that you wouldn't want to make a top list, but just that you wouldn't have seen 10 great films to put on, you know what I mean? Like, in, like from, mm-hmm. from this year. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. What did you give Blade Runner? I want to say I gave it like a 2.7. So it's 10th best movie of the year. <laughs> Amazing. 10. Well, there, there were there, there worse movies. Ouch. <laughs> okay, that's great. My number 10 movie of the year is The Killing of a Sacred Deer, which I talked about in the What We Watch section, and I gave it a 4.5. There's nothing lower than a 4.5 on my list. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Go ahead, number 9. Okay, number 9, Baby Driver. Oh, okay. what'd you give that one? Uh, probably two point seven five. I went, I went two and a half on that one. That's okay, not that's yeah, nowhere yeah. near. That would be on my worst of list, probably. Yeah. Um, uh, number nine. Uh, <laughs> sorry, number nine. My friend Dahmer, uh, which I talked about a few episodes ago, which mm, was yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really excellent film <clears throat> about Je- the the young life of Jeffrey Dahmer. Cool. Another four and a half. Just a brilliant piece of cinema. Uh, eight, Kong Skull Island. <laughs> Do you really? See? You didn't see anything. Did I didn't actually. I didn't oh actually rate that because I wasn't on Letterboxd <laughs> at the time. But like, I remember enjoying it. For oh, what okay. It was, well, you, you know? yeah, that's fine. Like, as far as monster movies go, like, I liked how it was. Like, it had none of the pretentiousness of Peter Jackson's King Kong. Oh like, yeah, yeah. It's a monster movie from beginning to end, and like. Samuel Jackson and John Goodman are pretty good in it, and like it's obvious. Like I told you, it's obviously very influenced by Apocalypse Now. Right. Um, <laughs> like Tom Hiddleston and whatever the girl's name in it. I Brie Larson. Yeah, couldn't Academy could Award not, winner. Could not care less about them in this movie, but yeah. Uh, my number eight is uh, David Lynch, The Art Life, which is uh, maybe a little controversial because I guess it technically came out last year, but it wasn't released until this year, so. Mm. Um, hmm. yeah, love this documentary about David Lynch's, uh, life and his art. Uh, it's just a great, great film, really well made, very cinematic, beautiful to look at, uh, really interesting stuff, interesting thoughts from a modern master of his craft. So both of his crafts, any, any art that he really lays his hand to, he's seems to be like absolutely masterful at. So cool. My number eight. Okay, number seven, Logan. Well, Logan, mm. the R- R-rated entry, the last Hugh Jackman Wolverine film. That's right. Uh, my number seven is The Shape of Water, which uh, is directed by Guillermo del Toro. And uh, something I didn't say earlier about this movie uh, was that like it feels a lot like there are sections of it that strike me as a lot like what La La Land is trying to get at. And it totally does it like way better. Like everything that it, that La La Land was trying to do with the romance and the music and stuff like that, huh. this film accomplishes 
just in like one or two scenes, just completely trounces anything La La Land did. So wow, uh, again, can't 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 recommend it highly enough. And also, this the the brazenness of this film to try and tell a love story, but you know, you can read it as a metaphor of like you know, uh, unlikely people getting together or like people who have uh, issues who are outcasts getting together or something like that or like being attracted to one another but if you read it just as like what's happening like just the brazenness of having this disgusting looking uh, you know it looks like the creature from the black lagoon right you know uh, just going all out and fucking this woman (laughs) and this woman just you know fucking it right back and uh, just Sally Hawkins performance is really brave and not only because she is she's nude in it a little bit but like just just the idea of you know like her character is a mute she's using sign language she's falling in love with this creature <laughs> it's just like it's just an incredible uh achievement i'd say my number seven film uh number six the disaster artist the disaster artist is uh Good. Not on my top ten. Didn't quite make it. Uh, wow. Too good for you. <laughs> Did my, you end up seeing it, John? No, I haven't seen it oh, yet. Okay. My number six film, uh, Christopher Nolan's only good movie, Dunkirk. Uh, that's going to be on all our lists, I'm sure. I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, my number six. So we'll let Jonathan start with his number five now. <laughs> all right. My number five is, uh, I didn't think about The Art Life by David Lynch. Oh. Because it didn't actually come up on my uh Movies it's, watched in 2017. Oh, well, so, it's listed as 2016 on Letterboxd. But oh, okay. I saw it this year, and it came out on Criterion this year. Yeah. And I think it came to theaters earlier this year huh. here. Okay. So, like, when we saw Stalker, when was that, like, yeah. January or February? Not, yeah. Was or like April? May or something. Yeah. yeah. So that, yeah. Was, that was when it was in theaters. So. Well, anyway, uh, my number five is uh, Blade Runner 20, 2049. Um, oh, shit. Hold on. No. What is happening? Okay, uh, yeah, Blade, Fr- Blade Runner 2049. Um, when I first saw this, I was, like, you know, on the fence. It was it was good, but it wasn't great, you know. But, like, the more I think about it, like, this could have just been the worst piece of shit ever made, and it wasn't. So uh, it has so to be on the So definitely the top five of the year. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it has to be on there. Um, I really want to rewatch it. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Uh, my number five, It. It. Mm. You looking forward to that director's cut they keep talking about coming to Blu-ray? I don't Three know. Three hours. Ooh. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? Who do they think they are? Peter Jackson? I know. Uh, my, <laughs> my number five film of the year is Personal Shopper, directed by Olivier Assayas, which just rules. It's so great. Uh, can't wait to watch it again. And uh, <coughs> really can't wait to see whatever he does next mm-hmm. and whatever Kristen Stewart does next. So, excellent film. All right. My number four is Dunkirk. Uh, yeah. It's whatever. Nolan is whatever. But this movie is really fucking good. Um, saw it twice. Uh, yeah. Just really great. Paced amazingly well. And anything in the fighter. The fighter. With Tom Hardy. Yeah, with Tom Hardy is just, is just my shit. Like, I am so into that. I love fighter pilot stuff. You shit so, yeah. fighter pilot yes. stuff. <laughs> it's amazing. <clears throat> Did you see it in IMAX? 
Uh, we saw it on a regular screen. Uh, yeah, it was regular. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately. But yeah, it was uh, good stuff. Cool. Okay. So number, we're on number four. Yep. Okay. Number four. Yep. Thor Ragnarok. I thought this would be higher for you. Well, when you, okay. when, you okay. when you see, when you see the other ones, you, yeah, you yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll probably make yeah, more yeah. sense. But yeah, that. That movie was so much fun, and I, I I stand by like the best movie that Marvel's made yet. Oh, that's yeah. I I I haven't seen it, but just based on the trailer, I, I assume it's the best movie they've ever <laughs> <I> mean, made. <laughs> well, the fact that they're like finally not taking themselves super exactly, seriously because like exactly. that's one of the things about you know, um, God, the first well, Thor was so bad. Ew. I fucking hated it so much. It was. You see it in three D too. No. You oh, didn't? no, I didn't. I thought you did. <laughs> you saw it with Rustin, right? Maybe I did. I think you did, because you're telling me I'll give you a headache. Uh, yeah, I think I did. But yeah, it was so forgettable. Jesus same with Christ. the second same with same with the second Thor. Like like of the what how many movies do they have now? Was it Thor? Twenty oh, of the, Marvel the movies, like twenty some odd movies at this Jeez. point. Like or, close to twenty. Or in the, yeah. at least at least in the teens, yeah, yeah. like three of them I could Legit call, yeah. That was a really good movie. That's better than me. I, I think none of them are any good. But that's only the ones I've seen. I haven't seen Ragnarok. I haven't seen Guardians. All this other shit. You can, you can watch them in fifteen years when you get the Criterion box set. <laughs> right when there's a Criterion box set of Marvel films. Yeah, it'll <laughs> be re- it'll be released post ironically by Criterion. <laughs> um, I uh, my number four movie of the year is uh, one of the greatest films of the year. A ghost story, just a beautiful piece of cinema. Wow, <laughs> uh, wonderfully made, wonderfully realized, very emotionally affecting, and just glorious to behold. It's like all of the opposite things I think in one in one <laughs> sentence. <laughs> anyway. You guys don't know each other at all. I know <laughs> that movie is trash. Uh, number three, uh, number three is Get Out. Oh, Get Out is fantastic. Uh, I'm not sure I knew that you'd seen this. Yeah, I saw it. When did you see this? Allison got it from the library a couple months ago. Oh, what'd you give it? Gave it a four and a half. Oh, okay. Four and a half? Maybe a five. I actually, I can't remember. Four and a half, I mm. believe. Um, didn't know what this was at all. Yeah, I made sure that you didn't tell me anything about yeah, it. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it blew me away. It was really crazy and good. Uh, Let me ask you this. Did you notice <laughs> in the film that <clears throat> the character, the girl from Girls, who's his yeah. girlfriend, uh, she eats her cereal with the cereal dry and then it's a cup separate, of yeah. glass of milk, mm-hmm. and that that's a commentary on separating white from colored. Um, it's actually not intentional, but uh, he said it's okay if you believe that. <laughs> well, really, he said it's there was like a Q and A with a uh, with a. Uh, Jordan Peele. How uh, is that? How there's I cannot. Uh, he, I cannot he, be elite, he, begin to uh, believe that that could not be purposeful. Apparently, he said uh, he he said he just wanted her to be kind of like weird. That's it, ridiculous. It, that he's so playing Tarantino right there. Maybe. It's just a little flourish. I don't know. Maybe he's so full of shit. There's no way that's not real. That's too good to be an accident. I don't know. Whatever. That's what he said. Whatever. The little Q and A he did on uh, what I think I think it was just Facebook or something, but uh, mm. it's really good. All right. Uh, let's see. Top yeah. three time. Top three. Uh, number three, Dunkirk. 
Dunkirk. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Like, this movie, Dunkirk would have been a five if it wasn't for that cheesy ass speech at the end. Where, I, like, I didn't mind that. I, I, I just thought it was like, oh my God. Like, you had the, such a great movie, but then you make it like every other fucking war yeah. movie where they lose at the end. It's like, we will come back and we will prevail. The only problem I had with Dunkirk, Dunkirk was the... Uh, Dunkirk? I know. Dern, Dern. I'm, I have a fever. Um, <laughs> uh, the only problem I had was uh, uh, the way it was shot, you know, with the time differenti- differentiation or whatever. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. that. I love that, but, yeah, like, I it caused it. the problem of, like, it seemed like he coasted in the air for, like, an hour. <laughs> like, uh-huh. he just, it just kept going and got, like, it just seemed like it was too long to go without I guess, yeah. flying. Espe- especially there though. at the end, I can it's see a, how It's you definitely a nitpick, that. but I was like, when I first saw it, I was like, how is he still going? And I was like, oh, like, okay, that makes sense. But it still rules, because that whole thing rules. <clears throat> um, number three, film of the year, uh, <clears throat> Noah Baumbach's The Meyerowitz Story, he's new and selected. Uh, one of my favorite films of the year. Had a blast watching it. <laughs> Watched the whole thing with my wife just passed out next to me. She couldn't handle it. It wasn't, wasn't she didn't doing like it for her. No, she thought it was really boring. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it's definitely not boring. I just loved it. Loved every second of it. And uh, especially anything with Adam Sandler and anything with Dustin Hoffman. Loved both of them in it a lot. And uh thought it was fantastic. So one of Bombach's best, if not his best. In my Sweet. Opinion. My number two. You're going to like this one a lot. Uh-oh. Super Dark Times. Hey, I oh, I Super Dark Times was really fucking good. Um, hilariously well made. Just like it was hilarious. It was hilarious, <laughs> and it was well made. It was, oh, dude, so well made. Um, just a beautiful picture. Yeah, just look, literally looks good. Yeah, like a really mm. good look um, to it. Everyone should see. This. I actually received this on DVD from from my wife as a stocking stuffer. It's not on Blu-ray, mm. and. uh it's a beautiful thing. Actually, you know what the gross thing is about it, though? It was released by a company called The Orchard, which are uh, they're probably most famous for the fact that they refused to release the Louis C.K. film after he was accused of masturbating in front of the people. Or mm-hmm. Not uh. accused. He did do that anyways. Um, the Orchard released this movie, and it's released on DVD-R. Like, it's a burn DVD. What the fuck? It looks everything else about it is legitimate. Like it's got a nice like the seat the DVD itself like looks great. It's got like the the official logo of the film and everything, and like the case looks good. Everything looks good, mm-hmm. but it like on the bottom right hand corner it says DVDR, and then you open it and it's a fuck. You turn it over, it's like purple. It's like a DVDR. That wow. is weird. And the same thing with uh, Highway Patrolman. It's the same way. Oh, it's a DVDR. I guess it's just these really tiny movies that they don't feel like can justify printing actual DVDs, and especially not Blu-rays. What the hell? It's it gross. But in, in that case, I would say maybe Alex Cox just did that himself. <laughs> like, that <laughs> might have been handled by Alex Cox. Well, I think the one you got me is an import, too. I think it's from uh, some other country. Yeah, I want to say it is. Yeah. Like, I made sure that it was like regionless. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, it's legit. but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it, it works fine. It looks good, actually. The, the image looks fine. It doesn't look like a, you okay. know, like a shitty transfer or anything like that. It's just a DVD-R, which is weird. Very yeah, strange. yeah. I also got Childhood of a Leader on DVD. Which also is on Blu-ray. It's just like this host of these great films that are so small that they can't justify Blu-ray runs, like the uh, 
Well, they're premiering on like streaming services. Yeah, I know. And mm-hmm. like uh, that's the bane the, of that. The other ones are uh, like the I forget what his name is. Uh, Owen Johnson, I think the the <laughs> director of uh, the Dirties and Operation Avalanche. All those films are only on DVD in America. In Europe, of course, they're all on Blu-ray. But mm. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what the problem yeah. is. But anyways, yeah, Super Dark Times number two, way to go. You guys are probably going to laugh, but Last Jedi. As number two? As number two. Oh, wow. All right. That's fair. You okay. liked it. That's all, all right. right. All right. You know, I personally wouldn't have a four and a half even at my number two, but I mean, that's just me. That's just me there, bud. <laughs> number two. You ready? This is, sucks because when I say my number it's going to be one, or, it's gonna be one, of, two, one of two, two things. You guys I know. don't know what my number one is. Number well, yeah, two. I mean, Good time, directed by the Safety Brothers. Uh, five out of five. A beautiful film. Like I say, just just rewatched it with the yeah. commentary. Just a miraculous achievement. <laughs> I mean, like every frame <laughs> of it is gorgeous and amazing, and the lighting is insane, and the score is like it goes without saying that the score is the best score of the year. Like easily, like far and away, probably the best score of the last decade. Honestly, like it's yeah, just that, an that's a that's a bit a bit much, but yeah, I'll, I'll agree. <laughs> I wouldn't. I don't say as much. I think the only score that really competes with it uh, recently is like one of Greenwood's scores, maybe from like mm. "There Will Be Blood" or something. But even that's ten years ago, so he's out of the realm of competition. Mm. Mm. Your number one. Film number one is good time. Of course, uh, it's just great. Uh, You're six out of five for the year. Didn't six out of five. Yeah. yeah. You um, almost shed a tear watching the trailer. So uh <laughs> just going to put that out there. Uh no, it's just really great. It's paced incredibly well. It's entertaining. Uh it's not trying to be anything it's not. And yeah, again the music is fucking incredible. Um and Robert Pattinson is just he is a beast. Everything he's in is just great. Can I say too <clears throat> that again, not saying that like I didn't count this as a watch on my letterbox. I listed it that I watched it, but I wrote with the commentary. I didn't give it a star rating. But just Benny Safdie in this movie as yeah. the brother, Nick, is insane. Yeah. Like, you would think this guy, like, why aren't, why isn't this guy just an actor being hired to act? <laughs> like, he's unbelievably good. He cries. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. In that first scene. And it's nuts. And Buddy Duress was asking him in the commentary, he's like, how'd you do that? Like, how'd you make yourself cry? And he's like, and he's talking about it as if he didn't make himself cry. He's like, well... Nick is feeling all of these emotions at that time. And it's like, what do you mean Nick is, how do you make yourself cry? Like yeah. he's, wow. he's out there, man. It's great. And the credit sequence rules. Yeah. Love the credit sequence. It's great. It's fantastic. You mean at the end or the beginning? The end and the beginning. Fuck it. They're both great. <laughs> the first, the, the, the first credit, you know, the logo yeah. where the, yeah. the thing goes like this, that's uh, done by the guy who did the credits for enter the void. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Huh? So. Kevin, number one of the year? Get out. Get out, number one of the year. No, get, get out. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, get the fuck out. No, get, get out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, anyone can argue, you know, well, it wasn't as a movie, it was this, it was that, but like, I think it's definitely the most important movie of the year for being, being an issue movie that doesn't feel like an issue movie. Yeah. And, like, the fact that, you know, Jordan Peele made it for like four and a half million and like octupled the, the investment and like the fact that people can like, you know, the serial thing and, you know, like, um, 
like there are like articles being written about it like ad nauseum, like how you know like this means this and that means that, like the fact that this movie is still you know making such an impact yeah. is incredible. And I do think it's a fucking amazing movie. Like, it's you know, especially for, like, Jordan Peele's, like, first writing and directing. Definitely. So, yeah. Great. My Good number stuff. one uh, film of the year is uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi. <laughs> Just uh, re- rewatched it, had a reevaluation. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. It's super, super dark times, obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah. My six out of five for the year, directed by uh, Kevin Phillips. Uh, just a masterpiece and uh, <coughs> just a shockingly good movie for coming out completely under the radar and nobody talking about it. Yeah. Mm. It's just a, an incredible Still film. nobody's talking about it. I know. Like at all. It just vanished hey, into the ether. I don't even now. think it's on Amazon anywhere. <laughs> wow. It's nuts, man. It's nuts. <laughs> It's really good. I uh, highly, highly, highly recommend it to all who are listening. So those are our uh, top tens. I guess we want to go do the uh, bottom. You yeah, guys yeah. can do your bottom fives. The, and the I bottom will. five. So you guys want to. Oh, you have bottom four, though. Yeah, but they're not rated as, like, how bad they are. Okay, we'll let Jonathan do his bottom five then. And we okay, can. I'm just going to shot. I'm we, just going to machine gun through this. Yeah. All right. Number one, Wonder Woman. What do you mean? Number one as in worst of the year? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 it's okay. I'm going to do number one because okay. it's Wonder Woman and it's horrible. Number one, Wonder Woman. Number two, John Wick. Two. Horrible. Chapter two. Whatever. <laughs> that was awful. Yeah. See, last time, Jesus. last time you talked about how much he hated chapters and shit. Yeah. Like, that's why. <laughs> the movie was probably five out of five, but like, chapter two? No. <laughs> Zero stars. Yeah. Number three, sorry, Kevin. It. It was terrible. I, I did it not. It was uh, terrible. It did, I did not. I did not care for that movie. I didn't right. like it either. But number I, I didn't four. hate it though. I wouldn't put it on a worse. Number case. four. Sorry, <laughs> Logan. Mm. Huge letdown for me. I just I did not like this movie at all. Very divisive. Um, and number five, um, Ghost in the Shell, the uh, the the redo. That's a letdown, right? The there. nightmare redo. Although I will say, I'm surprised, I believe I'm surprised you gave that like you a even, three when you saw it. It was a two and a half, I believe. Mm-hmm. Three? I think you no, gave it a three. You well, liked it more than I did. I'm surprised you even like paid admission for that. It was. I mean, like, yeah, visually. I thought the trailer looked fine. Visually, okay. like, visually it's not that bad. But, like, they try to mash all these stories together. And, mm-hmm. like, I think shit from, like, the, the TV series. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. And it's it's. It's bad. Just like the mm. ballless, like PG thirteen, yeah. you know, Hollywoodization of it. It's it's a nightmare. Like forget um, about the whitewashing or whatever. Yeah, I'm not even. I'm not even that mentioning shit, that. That like, shit actually yeah. makes sense in the context of the film. But like, just the fact that you you've Disneyfied it the way they have, yeah. and like taken out any kind of interesting violence or interesting imagery mm-hmm. in favor of getting a PG thirteen rating. And like the the anime itself is like it's you know it, it is what it is. It's you know, just an action. No, no, it's not. It's like I don't even think it's like really all that great. It's but, trying to be, uh, yeah. Um, but dude, it's uh, this movie was fucking bad. It was really bad. But yeah, Kevin, your bottom list? Uh, definitely Wonder Woman because it was bad. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two. Like I've been telling everybody, it has like a really good like three four minute sequence. <laughs> but other than that, like, get away from me with that. Alien Covenant, I didn't think was all that great. And for me, the worst movie of 2017, and I didn't even see very many, as you can tell. The worst movie, The Dark Tower. 
Ooh, it was sure. fucking awful. I, I didn't see it, and I can imagine that that would be my number one. Oh, well, it was, if it I had was, seen it. It was trash. I'm glad I didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> you probably came close. I actually didn't. Oh, I didn't think yeah. so. Uh, okay, well, we got a couple of uh, feedback uh, comments, and if you want to reach us, you can email us at feedback at filmiacpodcast.com. Uh, our first one is from uh, Jordan Courtney. Alias River Girl's name. Uh, <laughs> outed. Uh, outed. <laughs> uh, he says it's me, River Santa, Santa Girl's name, which all oh, this sounds ridiculous now, now knowing who this is. Thanks for the discussion about violence last time. He was the one who wrote in about the violence before. Uh, he's, his question is, let's see, what was the first movie theater experience you can remember? So the very first time you went to the movie theater, this is easy for Jonathan. Yeah. Because he went the first time when he was like 12. Yeah. <laughs> what really? Was it, what yeah. was it for you? I was ultra sheltered as a child. It was a first okay. contact, um, right? First contact, Star Trek. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Kevin, your first movie going experience? Uh, I don't remember, honestly. Um, it'd probably be, I remember like going to see Beauty and the Beast. And yeah, that okay, yeah. So Beauty and the Beast came out before Lion King, I think. Yeah, it did. Okay, so yeah, I I remember going to see Beauty and the Beast, but I might have seen something before then. But Beauty and the Beast is the first one I can remember. And it's a good one. I, yeah, I remember mm-hmm. enjoying it. Yeah, I saw that in the theater. I I uh, my first I know that I saw my my first film that I saw was Milo and Otis. Uh, which is from like 1988, so I would have been like two and a half or three. So I don't remember that at all, but I know that that's my mother's told me that I was there. Oh. The first movies that I actually recall seeing in the theater, uh, it's twofold, and they're from the same year. So I don't know which one I saw first. Like whichever one came out first would be uh, Bruce Dragon, the Bruce Lee story mm. in 1993. That's a good one. Mm. And Forrest Gump in 1993. So I saw both of those films in the theater. And uh, I'm imagining that Dragon probably came out first because mm. Forrest Gump was a big Oscar winner and everything, probably later in the year. But, yeah, so I would have been, like, uh, seven or eight seeing those things in the theater, not knowing shit, <laughs> watching my mom cry at Forrest Gump. Very bizarre experience, you know. Strange. But, uh, yeah, so those were those would be mine. And we've got another uh, email here from Rustin. Our good friend Rustin. Hey guys, happy holidays! Are there any films that you that you feel are nostalgic and essential to watch on or around Christmas time? Hope you all had a good one. Peace. Mm. Christmas movies that we have to watch at Christmas. I'll tell you no. from now on. Black Christmas will be really? one. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a fun one. Cool. A lot of Christmas lights on that one, and I know Rustin's is Die Hard. He watches that every year. He watched it, yeah, recently. Um, I think is on his letterbox. Five out of five. I don't. I don't. I don't watch anything in particular. Just mm. whatever other people are watching. Bah humbug, huh, Jonathan? I meant to watch <laughs> some stuff, but I didn't get around to it. Um, like I wanted to rewatch the Black Adder Christmas Carol and um, the Hog Father, the Terry Pratchett miniseries. <laughs> Hogfather. Yeah, That's so in in the in the Discworld universe there's the Hogfather, which is basically Santa Claus. But he ends up in an accident, so <laughs> death has to take over for Santa Claus. And it's pretty good. Hmm. Cool. Well I uh I don't uh 
like I say, outside of Black Christmas, I don't usually watch stuff at Christmas. Just I do like to watch Christmas movies at Christmas, but I don't mm. have one that I specifically like. I can't think of any Christmas movie that's like amazing to me. And I'm not I'm not a person for whom Die Hard is a Christmas movie at all. Uh, so <laughs> I liked I love I love Die Hard, but I mean it's not it's got nothing to do with Christmas at all. I really that's the reason he's there in the first place. It's Christmas, dude. Yes. <laughs> just like the plot of the movie is not about Christmas. I don't know. <laughs> if you watch if you watch Die Hard in July, do you feel weird that you're like, oh, this is, this is weird. I should be watching this in December. Yeah. Closer to Christmas. You're full of shit. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, you know, yeah. any Shane Black movie, I guess, they all take place at Christmas. You know? Yeah, Lethal pretty much. And, uh, kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. That one. So... Even uh, Iron Man 3, I think, has Christmas elements in it. So, uh, yeah, those are our feedbacks, and that's it. For our feedback, that's it for our show, the end-of-the-year show. Oh, and uh, our uh, our poll for the greatest film of the year, inconclusive. What? Yeah, uh, we had two votes for Good Time. Two, I'll just say Good Time and Get Out are tied with Super Dark Times. So they're all tied. And then we had second place... Lady Bird, Ghost Story, Sacred Deer, Valerian, and Florida Project all tied. Huh. And they're technically tied with uh, Personal Shopper because we had a write-in vote from our friend John, Ryan, who wrote in saying he chose Personal Shopper. That's his favorite? Yes. So, inconclusive. So I guess we'll just agree Super Dark Times is the best film of the year. (laughs) And I was going to say this, too. Super Dark Times is great. Good time is just as good. Like there, those two are interchangeable for me. It's not like I'm saying that you know, good time is a lesser film or something. Like they're both amazing, and I I love them both. And the only crime is that one is available on blue and was one is not, and it's disgusting. So that's going to do it for our show this week. What's our film for next week? We got to find out our film for next week from <laughs> Kevin. Kevin's pick. Here we go, Kevin. Next week we are going to watch Bernie. Oh, that's great! I oh, own I Richard, own Bernie. Richard Richard Linklater's <laughs> 2011 semi documentary, semi biographical. I've heard lots of great things. My dad's been urging me to watch this, which is a little scary. But uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it either. I've actually been meaning to like get my mom to sit down and watch this because like it takes place in like uh, like northeast northeastern Texas. Yeah. And like you, you watch this movie, and there are a lot of people in this in this movie where you're like, I know that person. Like <laughs> I know someone who's exactly like that. So right. you know, it's it's a very it's a very southern kind of movie. So. And this is one of those films that came out during the McConaissance, when Matthew McConaughey was uh, coming back into the whole "I'm a great actor" yeah. period of his career. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so this is I'm very much looking forward to seeing Bernie as well. I've owned it for about a year now and haven't watched it. So this will be great. Yes, so next indeed. time we're going to watch Bernie. Yep. We're going to hopefully see some more great movies, watch some more stuff. Oh, real quick too. I forgot to say during the what we watch segment, watched the entire Errol Morris series, Wormwood on Netflix. Watch Wormwood on Netflix. This show rules. I watched the first okay. episode. Yeah. It is great. <laughs> what do you think about it? That's good. Extremely well made. Yeah. It gets extreme. It's just a really interesting uh, 
like his technique for he's kind of like not in he doesn't integrate the the live action stuff with the documentary it's like separate yeah. narratives running concurrently or something so i think that's really interesting it's very innovative and uh just a great story really interesting and uh very engaging so wormwood on netflix amazing stuff so join us next time for more film yak oh also visit our pod visit our uh, podcast visit our <laughs> website filmyakpodcast.com write to us feedback at filmyakpodcast.com anything else nope Kevin call me snake 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 call me pliskin I think he says that at the end when he's like oh. snake call me pliskin yeah because he <laughs> has like, to be a contrarian he's what an fucking asshole. asshole yeah I mean <laughs> such a dick <laughs> such a dick yeah. I'm not a shit movie <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next time for when the Jonathans duke it out. <laughs> Only if your next suggestion is Escape from L.A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, God. Ready. <laughs> the surfing. Yeah. Pure Fonda surfing scene. <laughs> Steve Buscemi's in it, though, at least. Yeah. That's something. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I got Animal Factory on Blu-ray. Oh, cool. Which is a Steve Buscemi-directed prison film. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Boy. Willem Dafoe and Edward Furlong. Oh, hell yeah. Wow. I don't think I'll see that. It's awesome. I I may I may suggest it at some point for okay. us to watch. Okay. Um, okay. Since I'll you're s- done with your like, I guess you're done with your like back catalog of what I haven't seen. No, no, I'm not. Are you not? <laughs> no, not even fucking close. <laughs> I mean, you've been trying to get me to watch Bug forever. Yeah, that's one of many. I don't know. There's <clears throat> there's others. Don't worry. Uh, also, Edward. Speaking of Edward Furlong, he was supposed to play the part. Of the drug dealer in Good Time, the this guy really, yeah, Ugh. which would have been gross, right? <laughs> He's, apparently, he couldn't leave Los Angeles at the time because of like parole stuff. Good because the dude that does it is fucking amazing. I know, I know what a what a train wreck it would have been if they. Yeah, got I'll be back in a minute. For long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I'm gonna get the gun. It's so you got to watch this movie. Good you time, do. yeah. You have yeah, to I've been this. meaning to. Like, <laughs> you need I've, to. I've got it on hold when like whenever it comes in. So, oh, and Eric Roberts apparently played the uh, bail bondsman and they filmed the scene mm. with Eric Roberts, but then they apparently something went like they had some kind of dispute about something and he left the picture. And so they got the, the actual bail bondsman. Just to do stop. It. Yeah. Just get people that are <laughs> actually, yeah, they're, yeah, they're incredible. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> they were saying like, this guy is one of the greatest actors we've ever worked with. <laughs> it's like, he's not even an actor. <laughs> and it's like, why would you hire Eric Roberts? It makes no sense. <laughs> oh uh, God. Um, Do we have the uh, uh, Sicario 2 oh, trailer up oh, on the blog? Jesus. We don't, actually. Soldado. That's good. You <laughs> write that up and put it up there, man. I will. I will. Yeah. Soldado looks unbelievably good. That most anticipa- One of the most anticipated of the year. Yeah, <laughs> for <Adios>. sure. <laughs> other, what, are, what are some other things that we're anticipating? I, I, I want to see Phantom Thread, obviously. Of course. That's yeah. for this year. Kind yeah. of so. When is that coming out? January. Wide. 19th or something no, like that. Mm. I am super looking forward to the death of Stalin. Right. Because I th- I, it's it's going to be amazing. <laughs> Just from the trailer, I'm ready to give it a 6 out of 5. So Whoa. <laughs> nice. Yeah. John? I do want to see The Shape of Water. Mm. Um, yeah, Phantom Thread. Uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. I want to oh, see right. those three. Yeah. That's about it for me, though. I don't really... 
care about anything else this year. <clears throat> sure. And Soldado. And, and of course, Soldado. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. like next summer, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I'd say 17 overall was, uh, it was okay. It was an okay year. It was good. Yeah. Movies wise. Actually, I saw a lot of bad shit. But uh, the good well, stuff I did yeah, see, I, I looked at, ruled. I looked right, at right. my list and I was like, you know what? Like, yeah, these are, yeah, I would rate these the way I rate them, but they're still not amazing. Yeah. A lot of those. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Blade Runner was number 10, so. Yeah. And it was a 2.5, 2.75. 2.75, yeah. Number no, 10. It was a three and a half, number five. <laughs> That's a weak year. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, you just got to, next year, get out and see more. Yeah. You know? Okay, well, that's going to do it for the show. Uh, join us next time for more Film Yak. Write to us, feedback at filmyakpodcast.com. Visit our website at filmyakpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. I'm back. Back in the New York